Mandatory. I don't make the guest dance, but we're going to have to figure out. I don't know. Maybe we put a disco ball in here. And before we debate it out, before we duke it out figuratively, no, it's going to be nothing but love. But before we do that, everybody has to dance. Warm up the room. <laughs> Hunter's here. I'm going to intro him in a second. So we have Hunter Avalon today. We see the world very differently in many respects. I'm sure there will be some common ground here and there. Um, I think when there's this perception that people disagree on everything, oftentimes that's not the case. So we'll see if we can find it. Um, Here's what we're going to talk about today. And then I'm just going to remind you guys about something before we get into the topics. We're going to talk about body count. I have seen a lot of Hunter's commentary, and we've covered some of it here. You can go back and check my reaction to some of his stuff, but he goes after Myron, fresh and fit, Sneeko, has a different opinion than them, and um, a different opinion from me in many respects. So I'm going to talk about body count, talk about toxic masculinity. That's not toxic at all. Gender activism, I think, is an important issue that's going on right now. What does that look like? Is it activism? Do we have a different definition of what that means? Um, what is gender, what is sex, all that stuff. We're going to get into that. Um, Wokeness in schools and in the military, I think, is... um, I saw some tweets from Hunter that I thought were really interesting, so we're going to dig into that. The impact of feminism. I want to talk about some food stuff. Um, Hunter's like, what? Don't worry, we'll get there. Mm. And Andrew Tate, the Tate effect, as I like to call it. Um, I don't know if he has an opinion on Andrew Tate, but we're going to find out. So with no further ado, I would like to welcome Hunter Avalon. I'm going to do my Manect plug in, in, in a little bit later but you know y'all get in the chat today get you know don't get mean but get feisty get your opinions out there Delhi's in the house we're going to read the super chats I will check in with Delhi probably three times throughout the show so we want to hear from you Hunter welcome thank you so much for having me on I appreciate it so you came all the way from from the Maryland West Virginia area all the way from the Maryland West Virginia area to yeah. tell me that I'm wrong about body count <laughs> Just to, actually, not just about body count, just to tell you that you're wrong like, about, about everything. everything. Awesome. Yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you for coming. Um, sure. One of my goals on this show is to showcase that people with very different views of the world, mm-hmm. of different things, can sit at a table and have a conversation. And that doesn't mean it won't get hot, won't get spicy, but, you yeah. know, we're, there's mutual respect here, um, hopefully. Now hopefully, and yeah. hopefully by the end of the show as well is my intention. That's what this space is about. I think you. In fact, I think you did a video of me once, and you were like, "Okay, she doesn't do the name calling. That's not her. Yeah. That's I was not like, her I'm gonna game. be nicer. I'm, I'm not gonna be gonna, nicer. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about first and foremost. People, I want people to understand who you are, what you're about. They know your content now mm-hmm. because I've covered it. Um, you had a political transformation. You used to be, I don't know what you would call yourself prior, but mm-hmm. my understanding is some people were referring to you as alt-right. My sense is you were conservative. Then I think you shifted to more centrist as you defined it. And I don't know where you land now. So why don't you tell us what politically you are now? And this isn't just going to be a political discussion, but politics weaves through everything. I tell you that all the time. What is your political leaning and what was the motivation of that transformation for you? Sure. Well, I would consider myself a social Democrat now, which in the United States, that's definitely more left than a centrist position. But Mm -hmm. if we're talking internationally and especially online, that is still pretty much a centrist position. So when I hear leftist, which I'm not myself a leftist, that's usually referring to people that are communist, socialist, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I'm not a fan of that. I, I tend to find socialism and communism to be pretty unrealistic, kind of like a pipe dream. Can you align yourself with somebody? Like, is there a politician? Is there someone that you hope runs for office that somebody can visualize that? Because 
that's hard to for, for people who are used to seeing the world in a very pol polarized way. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know that everyone can contextualize that. What like yeah. do, who do you want to run for president? Well, I don't know if I could give you a specific example of somebody who is a social democrat, mm -hmm. but a lot of social democrat policies are carried out in the Scandinavian countries okay. where it's basically just you're still in favor of capitalism, you're still in favor of there being markets, obviously. Mm -hmm. However, you're also in favor of stronger social safety nets to a degree. Socialized so, medicine. Socialized medicine would be one of them. Uh, ideally, it would be a public option and a private option. I, I don't really like the idea of just like uprooting people's mm -hmm. uh, private option and then just forcing them to use the public. Uh, ideally, that would be the case, though. And a lot of okay. these Scandinavian countries, uh, they have their problems, but they also have really successful economic mobility and whatnot because of the policies that are induced. So why, why the switch for you? From conservative? Yeah. Yeah, so first of all, I'll clarify, I was a conservative. I was not alt-right. Yeah, well, I imagine um, people label conservatives alt-right no matter what. Like, well, it's, it's, the, just it's like just all the same. Out the word. Yeah. Of course. It's like you're, you're conservative, alt-right, Nazi. It's all just like the same. Yeah. But no, I, I was pretty much like a social conservative, I would call myself. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't really focus heavily on economic stuff. So mm -hmm. at the time, I was actually very uh, opposed to a lot of the things that I now am in favor of, specifically like LGBT individuals. Mm -hmm. um, I was very much of the opinion that, you know, biology or they're denying biology, they're denying reality, which I actually understand still to a large degree why people have that perception. I think that there's a lot of lefties on Twitter specifically who are just like the worst type of people. And um, they are constantly positing just like delusional views, you know, oh, yeah, you can you, you can identify as a different sex and all this weird shit. Like, so I totally understand the bad stereotype there. But I would mainly focus on going after the more extreme elements of the left mm -hmm. uh, when I was still conservative myself. I was I, I voted for Trump in 2016. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah, mostly just your, your typical kind of run of the mill conservative mm -hmm. stuff, not really in favor of Black Lives Matter, anti LGBT, that kind of stuff. And then you transitioned to, you know, the place that you are now ideologically. Why? Yeah, well, I mean, it was just a, a long process. A lot of people, I think, are under the impression that I did this 180 out of nowhere. But truth be told, I was in a complicated spot in my own personal life, just with um, having a baby and whatnot. And, you know, I was pretty worried about that. That was a pretty big step for me. And um, I kind of had an idea on how it was going to happen. And then it happened and mm -hmm. it was completely different than what I thought and I, I realized because I felt so strongly about my perception of what it was going to be like to have a child um, I realized that I was so wrong about something that I thought I was so right about I mean for months on end I thought that I was correct in my understanding and perception of things and it turned out to be wrong and I think that kind of put me in a place even subconsciously a little bit where I was sort of thinking I wonder if there's anything else that I could be wrong about that I'm really confident that I'm not wrong about. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, it was kind of just a domino effect. You know, I did have some discussions with other uh, lefty liberal types who were presenting me with other pieces of evidence that I hadn't mm -hmm. previously seen. Yep. And um, from there, yeah, I mean, throughout all of 2019 into like mid 2020, I was transitioning my my content and my views so do you feel that having a child because it's interesting because i also have a three-year-old you mm -hmm. have two children one is a three-year-old yeah and, and then a two-year-old you explained to me before the show started do you think that having a child um has anything to do with that because i i had a child you know in, in a crazy time right we had you know covid struck it was it was a yeah. very odd time to have a child as you might have had a similar experience it was yeah. just very crazy what went on and i think for some people it caused a transition in some cases, it caused people to get, if they were conservative to begin with, they got more conservative. Did that have an impact on you, A, having a child, and then having a child 
in this time period that we've just gone through? Has, has in other words, the last couple of years informed where you stand now politically? Because it certainly did that for me. Right. Well, I don't think that I, I will. Obviously, having kids has changed me for the better. That's mm-hmm. definitely true, I think. Um, but I, I wouldn't really say because I had a kid that that sort of shifted my views. Mm-hmm. It was more so that, um, like I said, I was kind of under the impression that uh, I wasn't going to be a good dad or I don't know if this is the right path for me or I'm, I was really scared and unsure. And, um, and, and then just being confronted by the fact that I was so wrong there. So it wasn't so much like having a child caused yeah. me to like feel more empathetic. And then I started, it wasn't really like that. It was mm. more so just the overall experience of me being wrong initially about having a kid. Well, I think like evolution does happen in people. You know, I can respect that. Mm-hmm. I, I think people need to figure out who they are, what they value. And I think sometimes when you face people in good debates, you know, sometimes you walk away from that debate and you feel stronger in terms of how you feel. And sometimes you walk away from that debate and you're questioning how you felt before. And that that's that is a part of human evolution. Like I think I, I actually fully support that concept, you know, if it's authentic, not if it's someone who's trying to be a crowd pleaser, which also happens in media. For me, I will say that the last couple of years, you know, I was I was kind of always a conservative. I I dip between conservative libertarianism. I I left the Republican Party because I felt the Republican Party wasn't doing enough in the name of freedom and guaranteeing people's liberties and um, caring about debt and deficit and all the things that Republicans claim to care about. So I left that kind of around the Tea Party time when I saw that there was an organic movement out there that did care about these things Mm -hmm. and the GOP establishment didn't. The last couple of years for me, um, and we'll get to politics at the end of it, but seeing the onslaught of on freedom, like when, when I witnessed the mandates and when I witnessed all of that evolve, and we'll get to your take on that stuff as well, it made me a, like a firecracker. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really awoke in me a desire because I have this child to protect that child's freedom above all else, you know, right. to, to make decisions for himself, for his own life. And I felt like we were increasing living, living in a world where crony capitalism and government holding hands with big business was mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. Um, so that's why I had asked about that. I want to start with, this channel loves these topics related to dating and relationships, so we will get to politics, but I want to start with body count. And we talk a lot about body count here. You have a lot of videos where you talk, go after, like I said, Sneeko, Fresh and Fit. So talk to me about, can we both agree that men, that women care care less about males' body count than men care about women's body count? Um, that men generally care. a little I, I mean I can agree with that but I don't think it's necessarily as big of a gap as a lot of people make it out to be so they've done surveys and and studies and they found that most women um, felt like a man was probably too promiscuous if he had over 14 sexual partners or if he had over 15 I'm sorry if he had over 15 sexual partners men felt that the woman was probably too promiscuous if she had over 14 sexual mm-hmm. partners so the gap was quite slim there. But generally speaking, yeah, I think that that's probably the case. Um, I, no, let me just review that just for one second, because that's not what that's not what my research shows, and that's not what you hear women saying all the time. If you talk to women out there, mm-hmm. women will very often say, and there's a double standard here, as far as I'm concerned. It's just a reality. If you ask women all the time, we show panel after panel after panel, and you say to them, do you care if this guy you know, has a high body count? They'll say no, as long as it's in the past, right? As long as that's not something that's trickling into their present. Mm-hmm. If you ask guys if you care about a woman's body count, 9.9 out of 10 times they're going to say they do. Well, now, I mean, sorry to cut you off, but obviously the statistics aren't going to speak for everybody. I mean, that's why it's statistical. It's talking more about a broad But if we made a broad generalization, but, I don't think you could say that. I think, you, I think the broad generalization would be that 
the overwhelming majority of women don't care. And the overwhelming majority of men do care. Now, we can say that's a double standard, but I think that's a reality. And I think there's good, there's, whether you want to say good reason or not, to me it's good reason. I can understand biologically why that happens. Mm -hmm. But here's what I want to get to, the why of should they care? Because you often talk about, you'll go after these guys in, you know, the red pill space and say, why are these guys so concerned and please, if I'm taking you out of context, tell me. But my understanding is that you you, you kind of go after them. It's like, well, why do you care so much mm-hmm. about the female body count? Right. Do you understand why men generally do care about a woman's body count? Um, I think that there are various different reasons why or things that they will say. Why do you think they? Why do you, What do you think that? Why do you think they actually care about it though? If you're willing to admit that they do, why? Well, first of all, of course, I'm willing to admit that they do. Okay. I, absolutely, I'm not even denying that at all. Um, why they do? A lot of the times, based on what I'm hearing from Fresh and Fit and whatnot, it seems to be this perception that women who have had prior sex partners are ran through or have become loose or are somehow damaged or um, even defiled. I mean, we talk a lot about like the pure woman. We want the, the women to be pure. I don't like that mentality because I feel like it bases women's value on their sexuality. I don't think that a woman having sex means that she's now defiled or impure. Um, and obviously, as far as like the claim that it makes women loose, that's just factually untrue. I mean, you can look at literally what happens to the female body during sex. She, they, she doesn't become looser. I don't think they mean it a- anatomically. I think they mean loose the way I use the word loose, which like is that you're not terribly picky. With? That you're not terribly picky. You're not terribly you know particular about who you decide to share that very intimate experience with. That's my understanding. You have to let them speak for themselves. And but sorry, let, to, before we move yeah, on, yeah. I just want to say like I also have even caught flack from more left-leaning people mm-hmm. because I have all, I'm also of the opinion that, yes, if you're um, being incredibly promiscuous, mm-hmm. jumping in and out of bed, now I would say this for both men and women, maybe we would disagree there, but I think if you're being incredibly promiscuous, jumping in and out of bed, treating sex with just complete and total carelessness, mm-hmm. um, I do think that that speaks incredibly poorly of your overall character. Mm-hmm. I think that something like sex, it is a big deal. It should be seen as something that holds value and potential risks as well. And I think that a degree of discretion there is incredibly important. So obviously, yeah, no, I'm not in favor of like women jumping out of bed with everybody or men jumping in and out of bed with everybody. Well, that is what, that is what's happening though. I mean, that, that panel after panel, and I I do a lot of coverage of, you know, the whatever podcast. I love that show. If they're in the chat today, yay. Um, But I I do coverage of this because I like to hear from women in their own words. And you will repeatedly hear women saying, oh, my body count, oh, it's 35. I don't even know. I can't remember. There's so many women, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a little older than you are, so I can remember a time that was a little bit different. And something has happened to women where that is now seen as a badge of honor. So it's not, it's not. Is this what age bracket are you talking about? Well, I'm 43. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, mean, what age bracket are these women who are? Oh, early 20s, mid 20s, talking about 35, 15, 25. I mean, if you're in double digits at that age, there's a problem. You but know, that's so just when not you say case. that's not, but that's they're I, saying it. So then well, maybe they're well, lying. No, no, no. I'm not saying that they're not telling the truth. Individuals are going to have their own experiences. And yes, I'm sure there are let, plenty of Let me of just finish there, this though, but, and then you can get back to the stats on this. But I want to say, because okay. you, you mentioned a few things, I don't want to lose. You talked about, you know, oh, Fresh and Fit talking about how they're you know, run through, you know, mm-hmm. they're damaged. That is a reality. They are. A how lot so? of those women are deeply, deeply damaged. They were my friends, you know, growing up, there were, they are, women are the vast, vast majority of women. And remember, we're going to talk about this. There are going to be outliers, but I'm talking about, you have to speak a a bit in generalizations because we won't be able to have any conversation without that. The vast majority of women 
are not comfortable in sexual encounters where there's no emotion involved. And I cannot tell you how many women that cried tears at night because they felt that it was a badge of honor to be promiscuous mm -hmm. because feminism told them to or modern life told them to or they were trying to act like, you know, men around them who were behaving badly but they were told, oh, it's a man's world, I have to mimic that behavior. And then those women would go home and they would cry themselves to sleep at night because they didn't get that text the next day. Right. Or they didn't get what they needed as a woman, which is different from a man, because biology does matter. We'll get to that in a second. And as a result, they were damaged. And they brought that baggage into the next relationship and that scarring into the next relationship. And that's just true. So I think when these men are talking about, like you talked about purity, and I want to address the things you're saying, because I think these are points that are valid to debate. Mm -hmm. When these guys talk about purity, it's not creepy. I remember one video you said it was creepy. It doesn't read that way to me at all. What it, the way that it reads to me is they're looking at somebody and saying, this is somebody who's going to be less jaded by pretty horrific experiences of hopping in and out of bed with guys who don't love you and don't care about you. You are going to carry some of that weight with you. this is still based on the faulty assumption that women in general are just hopping in and out of bed, being more promiscuous. The main problem that I have is I think that, again, you're correct. There are women out there who have had plenty of sexual partners and are being way too promiscuous and, and hurting themselves and, yes, being becoming damaged because of it. That's but who they're talking about. Well, but those are not the, that's not necessarily the majority of women. So, well, that so, depends what you mean by promiscuous because. Well, I will, I'll explain. So, for example, there was a study that tracked college age uh, men and women mm -hmm. from 1990 all the way until 2010. And they found that the average uh, body count of those individuals was around three to four. Mm -hmm. This idea that women are just jumping in and out of bed, them like just in general, as a general rule, I don't. I don't agree with that. If you even look at like the younger generation, they're having sex less. Mm -hmm. So in 2010, it was like some 79% said that they had never had sex. Now it's up to 89%. So we're what generation are you talking about? You're talking about meaning um, individuals who are what, like 15, 16 years old now, really young? You're talking well, about yes, I'm talking 15 in or 14 into, yeah, mm -hmm. early teenagers okay. or probably close to 20. I would have to double check. Mm -hmm. But Overall, sexlessness, especially among the general... Especially among the, men, by the, the way. The younger... Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. But the younger generation, yeah, mm -hmm. they they're seem to ha be having less sex. So um, I feel like what you're doing is you're, you're taking a, a story that you've heard, which again, I'm not saying they're lying, but then you're extrapolating that onto the broad majority. I don't think that women in general are out there trying to be promiscuous. I don't think that women in general are just necessarily promiscuous. And most of the data that we have right now doesn't really suggest so that. you don't think that the introduction of birth control pills or any of that led to greater promiscuity among women than had been prior well i didn't say that obviously introduction to birth control if we're going to compare back to what 1950s well, that's what I'm, till that's now what I'm we're probably going to see what a is the comparison because i can tell you having been alive 20 years ago um there's a huge discrepancy in terms of not just how women behave mm -hmm. when it comes to sex but how they talk about it well there's and a how they wear sexual that liberation there though right well, because that, you have to well, think that exactly that now, but that's the problem well no it's not because I don't think that a lot of the times I almost feel like people treat women getting pregnant as like the punishment for her having sex. If somebody well, no, it's is accountability on, though, right? It, but that shouldn't be what holds her accountable. That shouldn't be like, that's well, a child why? because that's another human being. Right. So, so she should on, be accountable for her actions and not engage in sexual activity. No, she should she, be, if she wants to engage in um, sexual activity, then she should be accountable by taking birth control. Okay, so we can have a debate about birth control, whether we believe birth control has been good or bad for women. That's a separate conversation. But the reality is that with the introduction of birth control, with the introduction of this um, 
what you just said, which is if you want to be, you know, if you want to be accountable, rather than make a decision that you're not going to have sex unless it means something, unless you're willing to bear the risk of what comes with that, which prior to birth control being so prevalent was pregnancy. There was a much greater risk of pregnancy. And there are still risks now, though, There right? are still risks as well. Because you brought them up. You That's just right. mentioned There the are risks. still risks as well. But birth control has changed the way women look at sex in, in very large part. I think they're much more willing to engage in sex that they otherwise, otherwise would not have because that risk has been lessened. It's just a reality of, of human thought, if you think about it. You have plan B, you have a whole bunch of things that have arisen in society mm -hmm. as a means to be a mechanism for women to be free, to be more promiscuous with their bodies and with their behavior with lesser risk to them. Well, pregnancy. the lesser risk, yes, again, of pregnancy, but also, I mean, it's not just women using birth control to be promiscuous. There are plenty of married people or women in relationships who they don't want to have a baby at the time. Yeah, but the and vast majority of women taking birth control are taking it for two reasons. They're taking it, one, because of what medicine is today. So if you go to a doctor and you have anything from acne as a woman, I can tell you from, you know, your irregular cycle, it's like, here, here's a pill for that. It's birth control that's disseminated. That's one reason they take it. That's medical, not related to pregnancy. And another one is because in college, out of college, there is a period of life where women tend to, you know, be a little bit more fluid with their thinking and they want that protection of that birth control. Sure. That's well, a reality. I, again, that's, well, it might be a reality for some, but again, that's not borne out by the numbers. So if we look again, like what I just said, from 1990 to 2010, mm -hmm. 5,000 college students were tracked. So and that's 5,000 though. That's, that's an extremely small sample size. No, it's not. That's not an extremely and small. And it's, it's what you're matters at 2010. Is, we're talking about 2023. Okay. 2010. 10 to 2023 is no, not no. that different. Oh, come now. I mean, you when can we're look at are you want to talk we, about when women go, are being promiscuous? You want to go 2010 back to, but you know, you the 1990s the 19, and talk to about the difference? No, like, no, no. Yeah, from the 1950s to not 2010, 1950s, of course I was it's going to be different. I was young in the 1990s. It was drastically different. I mean, there were women in my school that were promiscuous, don't get me wrong, but they were very few and far between. They were looked upon by men as, okay, I'm not going to take this girl seriously because she doesn't care about her body. She doesn't take her own body seriously. Why should I? It was marginalized. It was mm -hmm. not thought of highly. Those women were shamed in some ways. We can talk about shaming. We're going to get to that. But that behavior was not nearly as prevalent or worn with a badge of honor as it is today. There is no contest that today women are told repeatedly that promiscuity is there, you know, rite of passage that it's a man's world and if you want to compete with a man, you should behave like a man and men have that stage they go through in life, so why not you? That they are told to take birth control, that it will be liberating for them and it will enable them to make different types of decisions. That is a reality. So you can talk about a sample size of 5,000. I don't know anything about the specifics of that study. Well, I, I, I can I, give I, you another one if you'd like to because there's another one done by the Institution of uh, Family Studies which okay. looked at the male sexlessness being on the rise, like what we were kind That's of true. I will attest to that And they well. found that the w women were not actually becoming more promiscuous. Women's average amount of sexual encounters and sexual engagement has been incredibly steady since the early 2000s. It has not changed. And so if you're seeing any kind of increase in what appears to be promiscuity, a lot of the times it's concentrated to the same group of women or in the same area where some women are more promiscuous and those same women are being more promiscuous. So what, what do you this say? This isn't spreading to all of women. What do you say to women? I'm not saying every woman's promiscuous, and I'm not even saying that the vast majority of women are hopping into. But you're in and saying that they're all no. being told to what be a, promiscuous. That's exactly right. I am saying they are getting the message mm -hmm. that promiscuity should is, is something that they should own. That it's a sign of female empowerment. That they would be able to make the same decisions as a man would. In you know, everybody talks about guys how they go through that stage of like post college. You know, guys are going to be guys. We've heard that. I'm sure you heard that. Yeah. 
women are now hearing that and because we live in a society where it's always like compete with a man be like a man even though you're not wired like a man you're mm -hmm. not no matter what you do there is an increasing growing number of women is what i'm saying that is feeling like that message is positive for them in some way. But Not that where? they're necessarily even acting on it, but, but that- where is this happening? So obviously, uh, obviously anybody Everywhere. saying being promiscuous is empowering or whatever, anybody saying that's an idiot. That's not true. It's not empowering to sleep around and, and you know, let it, like I said, jumping in and out but of that bed. That is what's being said. That, well, if it's being said, then that's bad advice. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I just mentioned tracked up to the early 2000s now up mm -hmm. to 2017, so we're past 2010 mm -hmm. now, and yeah, they found that since the 2000s, women's uh, rate of sexual activity, sexual encounters, has completely stayed steady. It is not this increase of female promiscuity. So I'd have to look at that study. Obviously, I don't have it. There's I can two different ones now, though, right? To. There's the one from to. the college, Anyone and there's one in women on general. Women, listen, if you look at a study of women 10 plus years ago, that's a completely different population of women. Well, what we have seen in what's gone on with women in the last decade has blown my mind, truthfully. Well, this one was up to 2017, so, and, to and they it. found that there was no increase. I would love to increase. see it. I would love to see it. But, but I think my point is, regardless of that, the conversation about body count for me is not a conversation about, oh, the vast majority of women are promiscuous. The vast majority of women are hopping in and out of bed with people. Mm -hmm. The conversation for me is just that when women do do that, it's not a good look. Right. And it's not a good look and guys don't like it. And the reason that guys don't like it is not because they're insecure or because of any. It's because they, they just don't. But they don't. why? What's well, the you, why do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I do think that you have an argument to be made that the more sexual encounters you have, the more likely that you are going to suffer some kind of emotional uh, negative response mm -hmm. there. I think that that's honestly a valid concern. Baggage in a relationship is mm -hmm. not usually very desired. But again, I think that kind of goes both ways. I think that I, I don't think women want a guy who has a lot of but baggage. But it doesn't, it doesn't go both ways because women don't care. The, the reason do it mean? doesn't go both ways is because we can sit here and analyze the situation and say, maybe you and I sit and say it should go both ways. Maybe you and I sit and say there shouldn't be a double standard here. But there is because women and men care about different things. But see, so the is, reason the double standard exists is because women don't say I care. Women control all of this, by the way. Women could step up and say, I care about guys' body count, and I'm not going to mess around with guys who have a high body count, and all the bad boys, the players, whatever you want to call them, the chads, would be sexless. Women don't make that decision. They sleep with those guys because they don't care about those numbers. Now, we can dig into the why of that. Maybe there's something biological there. Maybe... But that is just the reality that I we're would, dealing with. I understand that for some women that's the reality, but I feel like you keep on doing the extrapolating certain qualities onto the vast majority of women. When you say women are doing this thing, that's not true. Women, on average, are not becoming more promiscuous. Forget about some that. Some women no, no, no. are. We're not, we're not talking about that, though. We're talking about whether women care about male right. body count and, and some whether women men, do, some women don't. You don't and think that it can be said that more women don't care? You don't think that that's a fair assessment? Based on the numbers that I have seen, they, uh, both men and women, said that their ideal amount of prior sex partners was around seven. You, you're trying to say it's equal for men and women. It was around 7.5 to 7.6. That's, that's not a reflection it's, of reality. Okay, it's, well, it's from Healthline. That's so not, that's obviously not a, a medical it's, it's, institution here oh, that's tracking this kind of like thing. That's like saying that you know, so, Pfizer did the studies on the COVID vaccine. So, you know, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Well, no, but, but this is the problem is, is I don't think it's fair to just write off the numbers because we see a lot of extreme examples. You, you turn on TikTok and you see a, a dumb feminist screaming about how she fucked 35 guys and that's actually super empowering. But... Those extreme examples, the loudest voices, right? Mm -hmm. Those don't necessarily speak for the, the majority. But we're, we're not talking women about women in general. We're, we're talking about the why. So if we say that guys do care, 
let's just say we have guys care about body count. You hear guys all the time. Oh, saying, I, I agree. And especially guys in this space, right? We're talking about red pill space. They say they do care. Sure. I think that they care because whether you've been, I use the word loose, not to mean physically, but you know, in terms of anatomy, but loose in terms of your decision-making is a reflection of your values, is a reflection of who you are. Mm -hmm. I think guys oftentimes will separate women into play, you know, and then who I'm going to be serious about. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes there are two categories. And if they're looking at a woman and saying, this is somebody I could be serious about. This is someone who I could take home to mom. This is someone who I may want to build a family with. It's very hard for them to have that woman also have had a very, compromising past because their values matter that's when that the, comes into play what would you define as like a compromising past because a lot of the times i wonder are, are the red pill people talking about they want women to be virgins are they saying so just i can only haven't speak been for myself. super slutty in the past like, i can only speak for exactly? myself for me that means that if you have a pattern as a female if i were a guy looking at a woman and you, if you had a pattern as a female of not pairing sex with emotion that would be a red flag for me i would be out the door hmm. because that shows me a pattern of behavior that you may continue and I think there's a lot of comfort for men in women who are just unable to do that, right? They're just unable to, to, to go sleep with somebody if they don't care about them, if they don't have some emotion involved. Right. Because that, is a, that woman is more likely to be loyal, faithful. She just is. The other one's going to be a wild card. I'm not saying they're going to cheat necessarily, but they have the ability to not pair sex with emotion, which in a guy's mind means, well, they did it before a bunch of times. This could happen again. They're capable of that behavior. So I think that's why they're looking at it like that. And I, for me, listen, I hear guys talk about virgin. I don't hear a lot of guys saying a woman has to be a virgin. I don't know that that's realistic. We're in, we're in the time we right. live in, who, who's going to fit that description? I'm sure some religious people, I'm not saying no, but if I were a man, would I want to be with someone? I'm trying to you know, flip the shoes. I'm not a man, but someone who was a virgin versus somebody who had a body count of 10, mm -hmm. virgin. Well, sure. Because no again, like what we said, a lot of the times more sexual encounters can contribute to right. additional baggage. So that's but what if but, but what if we're talking about a woman who say has had prior sexual encounters, mm -hmm. maybe she's been like around seven people before. Okay. So it's getting into territory where maybe the guy's a little hesitant. But what if she doesn't have any lasting emotional damage from that? What if it was maybe seven would be a little extreme, but what if it was like a couple prior relationships where yeah, she that's had different. sex? Is I that think different that's to that? to me, I can say that's totally different because if you, and it also depends on your age, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I got married in my mid thirties. So, you know, I got married late. So it wasn't like, you know, I was just, you know, 18 years old, got married. You know, people do things at different stages of life. So I'm not saying that you can't have any type of past. What mm -hmm. I am saying is the more your past houses, you know, emotion separated from sex, you know, a willingness to have a one night stand here and there, the more problematic it is for a man to think about that. And I, and I think a lot of it is that men are very visual. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, guys, they don't even, guys don't even want to hear about like who you dated. Like they're just like content to think like, okay, you woke up today and she's with me and end of story. I don't need to think about what happened before because it's hard to visualize that for them. Mm -hmm. um, and uncomfortable. And I think that's part of it. If they I know think that's you've been fair for women though, too. I mean, obviously if you're with a man, you don't really want to hear about his prior sexual engagements. You don't want to hear about his ex. Like women that's like chase, rule number one. Women right? chase bad boys all the time. So if they were so concerned about the bad boy, and they couldn't handle it and this, that, they wouldn't chase them. So they do, they do it. Their behavior shows otherwise. Because in every, you don't, you can, I mean, think about a high school setting. I mean, think about a college setting. That guy who you know has the pick of the litter and, you know, has done some stuff that maybe is not so moral and noble and isn't the guy saving himself for a woman, mm -hmm. they chase him all the time. 
They chase them all the time. Now, there's a number of reasons why they do that. It's not just because they're, part of it is because they're able to get the girls and there's a suavity and a masculinity that comes with that. But women tell you in their behavior all the time that they don't care about this stuff by the attention, that the, the types of guys that get attention. Hmm. So that's I mean, how I, yeah, I I can, again, I, I understand that and I definitely see where you're coming from. And I don't even entirely disagree with you. I, I don't. I think that you've raised a lot of good points, specifically the possibility of there being more baggage. Obviously, I, I agree with that. That's mm-hmm. kind of a, almost a given. Um, but again, like my main issue is just to be sure that we're not extrapolating this as if this is like the general woman no, my, population no. becoming slutty or whatever. My, my concern is not, and I don't sit here and say, oh, this is a trend that's among all women or this is, but it is it is a growing trend. But it's not. No, it is though. But it is though. But then why it is, is a, it why is, is a growing, the- it is a growing, pers- even, if, even if women, there is a changing perception about sex that women have. When you talk to women today versus you talked to women 15, 20 years ago, I taught in schools. I was an advisor to kids. I was an academic dean at one point. There is a a lightness with which this stuff is spoken about and handled that didn't exist before. There There was more of a sense that physical intimacy needed to actually be intimacy and that these were decisions that should carry weight in your life. Even if you watch the television programming from 20 years ago, I can remember watching like 90210 and whether Brenda and Dylan were going to sleep together was a big Mm storyline. So I think that what has happened is, and it's, it's not, for me, it's not even about the behavior. It's about the mindset that has changed. And I think that's a, a growing problem among women. I would like to see more women saying my body is valuable to me. I have value. That's part of my value. And I'm not going to share it with just anybody. That should yeah, be a message sure. we're putting out there for women. And, and I mean, obviously, yeah, having a perception, again, like that sex is just super cheap, kind of doesn't really matter. Um, I do think that it's good to have discretion before you're sleeping with somebody. Uh, I've never been a fan of the hookup culture crap. I think that that is honestly opening yourself up to a lot of emotional risks. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's the potential physical risks of STD and whatnot, STDs and whatnot. But if you're saying there's a growing perception among women, um, maybe, but I don't think it's fair for you to say this is a growing trend unless we're going to just say it's a growing trend in well, perception. Well, so I, I because, can't... Well, why are... Wait, if you're saying it's a growing thing or mm-hmm. a growing trend, yeah. why then has women's sexual encounters not risen from 2000 to 2017? So I'd have to I'd have to confirm the validity of that study and what you're talking about. Because hypothetically, if it show, was right, though, what would you say? Well, hypothetically, if it was right, then it would show me that women are lying somewhere because when they there's tens upon tens upon tens upon tens upon tens of them that say otherwise that we hear. So where are those women? They're not where they're not in, in that study. I guess what's going on? People also live like I. I love these studies that look at, hey, there's 500 people here, and you're like, but I exist in the world, and I went out, you know, and saw 300 women in front of me at a club the other night, and this is what I saw, and there's, like, things that you observe sometimes, you see with your own two eyes, and you're like, that is not what's happening. I mean, I don't think, it's like talking about the moral degradation of society. We can sit here and say that there was a study that showed that people still have strong morals, and they went into a room, and they all said, I have strong morals, and they wrote it on a piece of paper, and then you look around at, like, rap music, and people twerking on stage, and, you know, abortion being treated like birth control, and that's just not a reality of what's happening in terms of human behavior. So I don't know what the study says, but I can tell you that I showcase woman after woman after woman that wears their high body count like a badge of honor, Mm -hmm. and that is a bad thing. I don't care. I mean, just to be clear, just like I was saying 
please don't extrapolate from anecdotes right. onto general. I'm not saying that the data speaks but for that's everybody. But what these guys are saying that you're that you're reeling against. What the sneakos and the, what they're saying is that's not a good look for women. It's just not a good look. We don't want to take women seriously who behave that way. That's all they're saying is like if you are wearing your body count proudly on your forehead and it's just 75. Mm-hmm. I'm not bringing you home to mom. Then so, that should be the conversation, not but that is this conversation. is a growing trend of women becoming but promiscuous and oh, it's so scary. That is the conversation. So they're having conversations just about specific women who they've No, they're having a conversation of like women are vocalizing, women are coming on these shows, right? On whatever show, Fresh and Fit, and they're saying, This is my life. I can do whatever I want. This is my body count. And well, if I don't care about yours, why are you going to care about mine? There's a double standard. And these guys are just simply saying, there's a double standard because you don't care about my body count and I do care about yours. The double standard is called reality. Men are men. Women are women. We care about different things. And I'm just telling you straight up, you can continue to do what you want to do. But if you continue to do that, I'm not wifing you up. So either take note of that and change your behavior or be content to not be wifed up by guys like me. Well, I think that's fair. If the, honestly, if that was what they were saying, I'd be fine with it. But, but I mean, even just, but just, no, because no, just, because I listen to it all the time. But this just a I minute ago, of, you yourself said the promiscuity is growing. It's a growing trend. And you're, but that's, it, but that's an empirical claim. So if you say this is something that is growing or this trend is becoming this thing, that is an empirical claim. You need to have some I'm kind of a data set to actually demonstrate no, no, that. What, what I'm saying is you have an increasing number of women that are showing up and being very loud and very vocal about the fact that this is their behavior. I don't know if they're gonna be reflected in whatever study you're citing, but they are on camera. They are saying, this is my behavior, I'm proud of it, and you have to deal with it. And guys are saying, no honey, I actually don't have to deal with it. I cannot wife you up and you can be alone. And I'm just saying, if the goal here is to get more women and more men to find a happy union, Mm -hmm. shouldn't we just acknowledge the basic realities that men and women care about different things? I feel like we obviously acknowledge that. But I mean, no, that's obviously, don't. people know we, that we men don't, and women. No, but they don't. They don't, or they wouldn't be sitting at a table with Myron and saying, well, I don't care about your body count. Why do you care about mine? All he's saying is, I don't care because as a man, I'm looking for different things in a female than as a female. Like maybe you care about how much money I make a year, but I don't care if you work at Applebee's. Right. No, so, that's true. Men are definitely far more visual. But I feel like there's another contradiction in what you said, because you're, you're simultaneously saying that maybe these studies indicating that there hasn't been a growing trend of women having more sexual I don't trust. I don't trust your but, sample. But pool you're saying but you're don't. saying maybe they were lying. And you're also saying women are now wearing their high body count as a badge of honor. So why were they lying in the study? I don't and know. Not no, I'm not saying maybe they're lying. I'm saying I don't know. I don't know anything about these studies. I haven't had the chance to like look and evaluate what the sample size is, what it looks like, how they ask these questions. What ha- I don't know anything about these studies. So I can't, I can't weigh in on them. You could send them to me and I can cover them. I'm happy send, to do I'd that. I'd be happy to send them to you if you do. But don't. what I'm saying to you is point blank. And I'm, I'm not coming here with this stat and that stat. What I'm saying to you is I see a growing pride in women for bad behavior. I see a growing number of women who are told and have absorbed that this is good behavior. And then I see those same women in 10 years as a result of that behavior alone and unhappy. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to address why and trying to open women's eyes and say, this is why either do something about it or don't, but this is why. So I can't tell you, you know, Again, I can't comment on, you know, you're citing a percentage of a certain sample size. What I can tell you is that I have eyes and my ears and I'm alive in the world. And I go to parties and I go to events and I see what's happened in terms of clothing women wear. And I've seen what's happened in terms of I don't need a man. And I've seen what's happened in terms of feminism. And I I just look around and I'm like, wow, if you went like this and snapped your fingers and flashed and it was 1995, Mm -hmm. 
you would not be looking at what you're looking at right now. Women would not be behaving like that. They, they just didn't behave that way. Mm-hmm. In it just wouldn't. It's like a joke. So I'm just observing life and that what I'm seeing and feeling doesn't line up. But that's not to say I'm not calling you inaccurate or whatever. I would love to see the information. Mm-hmm. But it's just not going to look for women. So that's all I'm saying. I'm talking about what these guys are saying and what you have. Honestly, and I, I mean, I've even argued myself also that because I, I believe another statistic that will probably help the red pill people out is um, that people who have had prior sexual partners mm-hmm. have a higher risk of divorce. This isn't borne out in every study, but most available research does suggest that yeah. if you have prior body count, that's right. that that is raising the likelihood of divorce. That's right. I've seen those studies, and I've also seen studies that say the opposite, and that's the thing about it, like you just acknowledged, right? So you and I would agree that that's prop. I, I would tend to agree that a study like that I've seen manifest in life, yes. But you're going to find studies that say that's not true either. So that's when I look at these studies, and I... The last two years have made me very attentive to that because of a lot of the what came out of the pharma machine. So I became a data analyst, which I did not anticipate. Too. I don't know if we can talk about that on <clears throat> YouTube, but we'll we'll do what we can. Mm-hmm. But I want to shift. Delia, do we have super chats already? Yeah, we actually have a lot of them. Okay, so we're gonna do super chats. Then I'm gonna get to toxic masculinity. And if we have a lot, guys, I'm gonna have to raise it to ten and up, ten dollars and up. I apologize for that. I I don't often do that, but I we have a lot I want to cover here. So let's Deli, let's hit some of those. All right. Uh, the first one is. Question for Hunter. Alvin says, Hunter, we never argued that women in general are promiscuous. We argued that promiscuous women do not make good wives. And Farhad said, hey, guys, do you think non-consensual condom removal can be sexual assault? And that's a weird question. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, least like, thing, right? why did I read that one? No, I'm <laughs> Thank you for the question. Uh, how long has Hunter been married? I've been married now for, we just had our three-year anniversary, but oh, we dated for a couple of years before. Then. And we were friends, actually, as growing up. So oh, it was kind nice. Of Congratulations. Nice love story. Yeah, there you go. Yoya says, do you guys think women say they don't care about men's body count because they want men to not care? A lot of virgins want also a man with the same values because they come from religious communities. So my opinion is that women say they don't care because they don't care about your past. Um I think, is this, this is a Myron quote I'm pulling, but I, I happen to agree with it. But they don't care about their past. They care about your, I think women want a loyal, faithful man to them. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. Um, I don't think there's a lot of women that are going to sign up for the like, oh, I share you. That's where I disagree with some in the red pill community. The open um, marriage stuff. Yeah, I just don't think most women are going to sign up for that. Um, not to say none, but, and do what you want. It's your relationship, not mine. But I think they, women, time, women oftentimes feel like, as long as you're loyal and faithful to me, like the past is the past, and we're more able to accept that from a man than a man is willing to accept that from a woman. That's my assessment. I don't know if you feel differently, Hunter, but. Yes, and John says, we need more conversations like this, issue-based and respectful, even if things get heated at times. No character smearing, more reflection, or anything like that often seen on social media. Uh, Wally Walls says, I 100% care about body count. However, I won't negatively shame a woman for a high body count. I categorize her as a plaything, kind of like a porn star. It's hard because they both lie about it. Um, yeah, the lying is inter- isn't an interesting component. Yeah, it's actually that's that's another one that I'd like to. I, I looked at a couple numbers on, and it's interesting because men and women will both lie, and then they will raise the body count or lower the body count sometimes, depending on the context that they're in. Mm. That's not to say everything is is fudged or whatever, but it is interesting. I've, to see I've how seen that works. women come tell me that they and men that even when they're um, surveyed, I mean, this happens all the time in politics too. People leave a voting booth and they lie. They, they lie because they, they, you know, they, they 
don't necessarily want public what was a private decision. So I would not, it would not surprise me if there was a lot of deception that happens in studies on what's very intimate behavior. I would agree. Oh, sorry. To, I'm not going to take too long, but I would agree with you generally speaking that, yeah, that's obviously a potential, but I think that's also why it's valuable to look at multiple different data sets, mm-hmm. not just one. But, but. also like l- look at life. Like we have to, I, I know it's, it's a study in it, but like just open your, I always tell people like, but that can Just, be your reality. But that doesn't that the reason I find studies to be valuable is because mm-hmm. that speaks for. I'm a not bro- saying no. I'm not. Well, that no. speaks for a broader group. I'm not saying no. But again, my argument is not about that. My argument is not about all women are promiscuous. And this is my my argument is like, what? Why? Why are you now feeling this is good for you? Why is there an increasing number of women who vocalize that? Why mm-hmm. are you vocalizing it? And why are you not? putting two and two together that if your ultimate reality is not to be alone, that this may be compromising your ability to find that partner that you ultimately want. So that, right. that's where, that's where my, me personally, where I'm headed, but Dell, you got more. Yeah. Question. Uh, another one from Steven is Hunter's position that OnlyFans isn't a current rising trend. Hunter's position that OnlyFans, well, OnlyFans would not fall into actual sexual encounters if we're talking about physical sexual encounters. So yes, OnlyFans is obviously a rising trend. That doesn't translate to women necessarily sleeping with more people. So, and that's an interesting component of the conversation too, because when you talk about promiscuous, mm-hmm. what does that mean to different people? To, some, to one person, that does mean a physical engagement. To somebody else, that could mean an online engagement that's, To me, know, I don't, I really do don't well the OnlyFans thing I think I probably wouldn't be a fan of just personally like well yeah if, think about that though if a guy if a guy <laughs> if you're talking about body count right mm-hmm. that's bodies right physical bodies but if you talk about you know OnlyFans girls guys aren't going to be they're going to want to wife somebody up that's going to be a problem too and that's not that's not a physical encounter so do you think that that ever gets taken too far though so there was I actually remember in one of the clips you went over of my response to Sneeko. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, he said specifically that she's wasting her youth on Instagram. And I said, it seems like he's taking issues with if what the girl's posting, like some skimpy bikini pictures. And then I think that you were more thinking what he was getting at was like OnlyFans type shit. But he said wasting your youth away on Instagram as yeah. if a woman posting like some skimpy pics is this big problem. So I think there's a difference. That's a good question. I think there's a difference between a woman who has an Instagram, is young, is single, and posts, you know, a little selfie here and there. Maybe they go to the, the beach, they're in the bikini, you know, mm-hmm. they're, I think there's a fine line between that and then hypersexualized women who devote an entire Instagram page to, you know, trying to attract thirsty men. I think that there's a fine line. I think some of these women go crazy where they're like borderline half naked, where it's highly, you know, like how is this not nudity. breaking TOS, right? And, right. But I, I do think that's different. So I think there's, I don't know what he was saying. I don't want to speak for him in that clip, but I think that a young woman who is putting it all out there consistently and there's clearly hypersexualized content for a reason and is looking for that type of attention and that type of energy would be a red flag for me as a man, sure. 100%. Whereas somebody who's just living their life happens to be an attractive woman, goes to the beach one day, takes a bikini shot, then maybe there's 10 pictures after that, then maybe over here there's a sexy selfie. That's a very, Those are two different realities. And uh-huh. it's going to be up to guys to make that judgment call. I did a video recently about red flags and I gave some tips. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's good also that we kind of because you're right that the definitions of promiscuous what exactly does that mean i think that that's a, a good thing to, that we yeah, kind of yeah and you know what because, i started the conversation yeah. about body count and to me promiscuity does cross a line of where it's not just 
a body. Like I think of OnlyFans to me, that is like, that would be a huge red flag for me. In fact, if somebody had a body count, I mean, you could say somebody had a body count of five versus somebody who had a body count of one, but had a whole OnlyFans career, that would arguably be a much more problem, problematic red flag in a woman, as far as my perception. Mm-hmm. But Then like five so, partners in a relationship. Well, yeah, like, and, it's, and that's the nuance of this, I think, mm-hmm. of this conversation, because even the word promiscuity can be very subjective to people. Yeah. And I don't know when they ask people that, when they talk about it, when they're counted in a survey, like I, that's another And to be clear, thing. the data sets that I was, that I was referencing was specifically measuring Sexual encounters. sexual encounters, so it was physical relations. Yeah. It you wasn't just. You hear about these women now that are like, um, by the way, when it comes to bodies, they'll openly say that you know they dig back into the ditch. So in other words, if they've been with five guys, mm-hmm. and they still want to be promiscuous, instead of adding more guys because they'll up the the number, they'll just go back and be like, oh, I'll just have casual sex with these five I did already so I don't add to my body count I mean so like you know what this is where we're at so it's like I have five previous partners but we've had sex like 200 times and they say it whole panels of women will say it so my problem like this is why as a female I'm like what has gone wrong here that you like this is not good how about you just don't have promiscuous sex how about you don't why why do you need to have casual sex with anybody like why don't you just focus on what's ultimately going to make you happy at the end of the day? You already said you want a family ultimately. What are you doing with all this? You right. know, that's my goal. Okay, Deli. A couple more than I got to get to toxic masculinity because we're already off the rails here. <clears throat> okay, we have a one from Mr. Rampart. Uh, there, There is a male mating strategy for men to convince other men not to be choosy with female selection. This is because these men cannot attract women like higher status men can. That's why I'm married. Yeah, that makes total sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we have one more. Yeah, I think Jed argues that examples of bad message are getting louder, while Hunter argues that general women are not listening to the public message. I I can say that, yeah. But I mean, again, if we're going to measure promiscuity by OnlyFans and more... um, I still disagree with you. Then I would agree that 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 that's obviously increasing. I still take issue with... uh, I want to see the studies, but I take issue with that point as well. I do think that there is a growing trend of women engaging in and again I don't what does promiscuity mean does it mean more than how how many partners like what are we even talking about with that but um I, I do think there is a growing trend of that and it's bad but let's Delia I'm gonna look at um audience 10 and up just because I have a whole list here that I'm not gonna get to and then I'm gonna be real mad and you uh, then I'll start to get cranky then I'm gonna get mad too then Hunter's gonna get mad darts are gonna be thrown it's not gonna be good I'll show toxic masculinity okay toxic masculinity <laughs> do you think it's real um what do you think toxic masculinity is I think it's fake well, I no, I mean, what do you think it, it, whether you agree with it or not, what do you think it's getting at? So I, I don't think it's getting at anything. I think toxic masculinity is a talking point created by the modern feminist movement and the hard left to make men feel bad about their masculinity, mm-hmm. about their testosterone. I think underlying it is a goal to not acknowledge that men and women are different and to undermine um, what makes men feel good, which is that to be physically fit, to be able to protect themselves and their families, and to be able to, um, you know, be a warrior for the cause if need be. Sure. Um, and again, I'll, I'll kind of, hopefully we can find some middle ground here for sure. There are so many idiots on Twitter who abuse the term toxic masculinity that I do not fault you at all for having that perception of what toxic masculinity is getting at. I've seen so many like blue haired, crazy lefty types who are just reing that, you know, oh, stop it's talking toxic. about destiny. He's not here. It's just toxic. Kidding. <laughs> just kidding, destiny. You know, I love you. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you know, they're, they're, it's, um, oh shit, I forgot what I was, where I was going with that. 
Oh, so many people distorting toxic masculinity. You yes, yes, Twitter. yes. Thank you. You threw me off at the Sorry. Destiny show. Sorry. Had to say, you blue hair. I mean, come on. <laughs> there you, yeah, okay. true. But yeah, a lot of the times it is. It's, oh, here's a guy who's doing something, you know, he's strong or being a little bit aggressive or dominant if he needs to be. And, oh, it's toxic masculinity. And it, it does literally come across as if they are out to just shit on men for being masculine. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that there's a problem there. Um, however, when I myself talk about toxic masculinity, I'm referring to something very specific, and it's something that, again, we're probably going to get into some studies, but has been heavily empirically demonstrated to not only negatively impact men, but impact their relationship and their abilities to navigate relationships and marriages. What is that? What does that behavior look like? Yeah, so toxic masculinity, just a quick summary, and I'll get to that, is a set of social expectations of how we think masculinity should be that is not just toxic to people around the man, but it's actually toxic to the man. It hurts men specifically. So when I talk about this issue, my goal is not to shit on men. My goal is to actually point out a big problem that's hurting men, because right now I think that a lot of men are struggling. And so toxic masculinity is usually this idea of, uh, the big one is emotional suppression. That's the big one. The, you're a man, so you gotta be stoic, you gotta be, you know, don't show your emotions, crying is weak, mm -hmm. uh, don't ever be vulnerable. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place to mm -hmm. be aggressive. There's a time and a place to suck it up. I agree with that. I'm not saying men should be out bawling about everything. Mm -hmm. um, neither should women, though. Nobody should be like wailing their ass off about everything. But I do think that there are plenty of men, and it's been demonstrated as well, who are shamed for being vulnerable or for expressing emotions because it's seen as being unmanly. And mm -hmm. that kind of a, a mentality is just so detrimental. I mean, if we want to talk about how suppressing or suppressing emotions has been um, contributed to suicidal ideation, committing suicide, mm -hmm. um, even outside of men in general, just suppressing emotions for people yeah. has been shown to increase risk of suicide. We're not going to disagree on that. Um, right. Just just in the sense that, you know, I come from like my baby is wellness. That's really my main topic that I love. And, you know, there's been a lot of studies on crying and how release is really important in terms yeah. of how it affects anxiety, depression, and also how it affects not only your mental health, but your physical health, your body. It's actually like a portal of release. We actually had a doctor on here, Dr. Gonzalez, who talked about emotional release therapy hmm. and why if you have buried trauma, it's really important to get that out because it can be a cause of disease. So I'm not somebody that's going to sit here and say, mention cry. That's just not my MO. Hmm. What I am somebody who's going to sit here and say that I do value that men are able to, you know, I, I, I don't want to see a guy with the level of fragility that I have. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that when a storm hits my house, I'm going to be the one who has the nervous breakdown. I'm going to throw myself on the floor. I'm telling you straight up, that is going to be me. And I'm really happy that I have a guy there who is more of a rock for me sure. and is going to say, let me figure out how to get us out of this. And there's not there's not that same focus on panic for him because he's already analyzing what to do and what to get out. That doesn't mean that there's a death in the family or something happens that he doesn't have emotions and he doesn't right. show them. But again, I think there is a big difference between the way men and women manifest emotion and what's mm -hmm. healthy for a woman and what's healthy for a man. And I feel like there's this blanket approach sometimes of like, oh, in the same way that you're saying there's a suppression of emotion for men, mm -hmm. there's also this call in society for always at men like, oh, don't you need to cry? Don't you feel that? Don't you? And sometimes guys are just like, no. Yeah, like, sometimes I don't, they're like, can you stop? I this? don't have that. I, right. That's not me. You know, that's not my experience. And some mm -hmm. of that I firmly believe is related to hormones and related to biology. Right. Well, um, actually, it's sorry to cut you off, but 
what you said about your husband a minute ago, not panicking and freaking out. I think that's just a healthy relationship. Ideally, your partner will would be somebody that when you're feeling vulnerable, they're kind of a rock to you and vice versa. Yeah, but be- think about it like this. I mean, let's be let's be honest now. That's true. Use the partner word. Audience hates that. Just I can't. The chat's going to be blowing up. Down. Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't but, know. That was uh, you tr- didn't get didn't, the memo. I didn't mean but, to trigger anybody. But think I'm about sorry. This. If you have a ha- truly, if you have a house where when a storm hits, say you have a man and a woman married, and when a storm hits, there's a 50-50 chance of who's going to crack. That house isn't going to work. It's not because women, by nature, really need to feel that that guy is a rock, and they they will get very nervous and very uncomfortable if they don't have that security in a man. That's again, that's not to say that he's supposed to be what they, stoicism to me sometimes. I don't really understand what that means. You, you can never cry. You can never have no, that. That just doesn't seem healthy to me. Yeah. But I think that a healthy household is one where the man in that house, the man of that house, has a certain sturdiness to him. Mm-hmm. That absolutely, I would agree. With is, that. Having a backbone yeah. is a very important quality. Yeah. So we agree on that in terms of. So I, I think that is a component of the toxic masculinity debate that um, is So then you nuanced. agree that there is some level of toxic masculinity? No, I don't think that's toxic masculinity, actually. I think that's that's not about masculinity. That's just toxic. Wait, but like, the, in other the words, notion not, that men specifically shouldn't cry or suppress emotions. Well, that's not toxic masculinity, though. That's just that's just absurd. That's like that's an absurd. What does that have to do with? What because does that have that's to do an with expectation that's specifically placed on masculinity that's toxic to the man. So there was a study done a, a that, by Men's Mental Health that looked at 4,000 different men in um, the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and they found some 58% of those men yeah. said that, yes, they recognize that expressing emotion is important, but they still feel like they're shamed and punished if they do so. And there, mm-hmm. I think there was some 20% of that, that sample said that um, they're mocked for not being manly if they show emotion. But mocked by who? What is that? What is Probably that their other friends, maybe people around them. So again, like I, I don't know what that looks like in terms of is this a guy who's crying all the time? Is this a guy who's extremely weak? Is this a guy who doesn't have any backbone whatsoever? I mean, I'm certainly not for a, a nation of male babies that have safe spaces. That's a deeply sure. disturbing reality that would happen. It is happening, frankly. But um, I, I don't that, that has no relationship to the phrase toxic masculinity to me. What I would say it has about that everything to do. No, with what toxic I would say about that is that men are human beings, and mm-hmm. by virtue of that, they will go through ups and downs in life. And my expectation is that because of the way men are wired, male strength is an incredibly powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that you would be able to manifest that strength when the woman in your life needs it and be a rock for her. But that doesn't prevent you from having a natural emotion or a natural response when something happens but it shouldn't right. be we shouldn't be so utterly fragile well, like I agree, men, but I, men I are increasingly think, very fragile i don't think it needs to be one extreme to the other i don't think it needs to be either men are sobbing every time their cell phone mm-hmm. dies or men are like these big tough masculine guys i think that we can honestly find a middle ground having a backbone is important being confident is incredibly mm-hmm. important um i would say even being dominant at times is important um, but it's just denying reality, honestly, if, if you're going to claim that the expectation that men shouldn't cry isn't a form of toxic masculinity. Well, it's just that's not that's not like when people talk about toxic masculinity, oftentimes they're talking about what makes men 
perpetrators in some way negatively on society. They're talking about like your masculinity is aggressive, you're dominant, you're mansplaining, you're that's the, the angle I'm coming. Is so that's cringe. what I'm coming at it from. So I, I don't to me under the umbrella of toxic masculinity of what I discussed, that that is a completely unrelated topic. Now that's not to say you and I can't find common ground in that area. But that's not what I see when I see feminists and shouting about toxic masculinity. They're not talking about oh, worried about men's emotions. In fact, the Drew Afwalos of the world are very, I don't know if you know who she is, but the feminists will come out and say, well, I don't care about these guys at all, actually. I don't care about these men. Yeah, there are so, genuinely, there are 100% there are feminists who yeah. actually adamantly hate men. But what I think the stoicism is, the reason that that's held in high esteem societally, I think, and I think a good example is if you look at what happened in the last couple of years with the fear that took over society at large. We can maybe differ about some components of what happened during the pandemic. Um, but, <laughs> pandemic, scamdemic, call what you want. But we can differ about what happened there. But what I think, we, what must be acknowledged is that people, fear overtook many people. And what I saw is that fear overtook what looked like very healthy, very strong, very capable men and turned them into small children. That is a societal problem. So the reaction to that, I think, is a lot of these guys saying, you know, you, you've got to be that rock. You've got to, mm -hmm. and maybe some of them push it too far and expect and that man to not have emotions. Yeah. But there well, is a need like, for that buildup. I agree. And it's, it's actually almost paradoxical because a lot of the times, since men are socialized to show less emotion, um, that actually contributes to them sometimes melting down more quickly mm -hmm. because there isn't that emotional intelligence and that emotional strength. And so they're dealing with these maybe feelings of fear or whatnot. And rather than knowing how to process that and maybe communicate that and then work through it and becoming a stronger guy, um, they just crack under the pressure. Mm -hmm. And so I think in a lot of ways, the suppressing emotion conversation. I'm not saying that you're saying that men should suppress emotion. I'm obviously, not. we obviously agree on that. Which is and good, I do believe good. that that could correlate with something like suicide, that ultimately, depending upon the man, depending upon what kind of trauma he's been through in life, some people are, are crying, you know, they come, people come from broken homes. I mean, there's yeah. trauma that people I mean, it actually contributes heavily to divorce also. So, I mean, obviously we hear about how 70% of divorces are initiated by women. And a large reason for this is that women go into marriages expecting more emotional intimacy uh, from their partner than they actually get. And so because men oftentimes don't really know how to properly express their emotions, like they don't have emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, that actually is a massive letdown for the woman and oftentimes is the motivator behind why she might want to divorce and move on because her expectations haven't been met. And there, I mean, I don't know what, how much of a motivator that is. There's a number of factors that come into why women leave. Um, and some of it I think has to do with truly the embrace of feminism in terms of the workforce and what that does to a household. I'm not telling women not to work, do what you want, but the dynamic that that has created in some households has been problematic. I think a lot of times the studies also show that when women make more money than men, that becomes a problem in the dynamic in the relationship. Well, and that I, was, you're, you're right, that it did show that, but that gap has significantly decreased, I think, in the early 2000s. And even when it was still there, it was because men would feel insecure about the fact that their women their wives, whatnot, were making more money than them. And so, I think that that too is like, that's what I mean, is this idea that because you're a man, you need to be the dominant breadwinner at all times. I think that the best approach is what works best for the individual family unit. Okay, but They're, that doesn't, I'm gonna tell you, that doesn't work for women by and large. They don't like it. 
They don't like it. Women don't like to be in a relationship where, I'm not saying every case, by the way, I'm not saying every case, but oftentimes when you wind up in a situation where a guy is earning less money, Mm -hmm. the woman becomes uncomfortable in that dynamic because women in many cases want the option to work, but they don't want to have to work, A. They want that flexibility. And again, there is, again, men and women are different and women do want to be able to lean on that guy. And, and there is a power can. dynamic shift that happens when it comes to money that, yes, the man feels, right? Because in his mind and in his body and in his testosterone, he's saying, I should be the man of this house. I should be taking care of X, Y, and Z, and now I'm not. I disagree with and this. And I, then, I don't think this is a biological thing. I think that men... You don't think that testosterone drives men to achievement in a way that women don't feel when it comes to career and otherwise. I think that testosterone can be a component there, but the idea that men, because they're men, need to be the main breadwinner, I disagree with that. I think that that's largely a social thing. We tell men that you're a guy, you need to be the one going to work and making the money, when, again, one... There's been studies done back in the 1970s that found that when men are actually involved in the household chores, that stabilizes marriage. It benefits marriage. When they're in an equal partnership where both of them are equally respected and they both have um, a valid influence on the other partner, that benefits relationships. You can be in a a situation of mutual respect, though, where you're not equally sharing household chores. I mean, that's just... Well, yeah, again, equal... well, yeah, I'm giving you, you a definition You can be in a situation of, of mutual there, no. respect and where a guy works and a woman stays home I and agree. is a housewife. But so, why couldn't it be the other way around? Well, you tell me. I mean, they, they should the, – the women who don't like that dynamic and the marriages that end as a result of it should tell me. I, I can't speak to that. What I can was, say is that women very oftentimes get into an uncomfortable dynamic when they are head of household. They don't want to be head of household. But being the breadwinner doesn't necessarily mean you're the head of household. And I don't think that it should be it does, the though. one head of household. I think if you're a couple, if you're married, especially with children, you should be a unit. You should be in agreement. There has you to should be, be, a head be working of together. There has to be a head of household, though. Why? There has to be. Because ultimately, ultimately, when you sit down at a table and you're making a decision, somebody has to green light that, right? So somebody, at the end of the day, you say you're, you're going back and forth, you're going back and forth, you're going back and forth. There has to be a green light at the end of the day. Who is that going to be? Well, it's going to depend on the decision being made. So there's sometimes where... You sound like me in my first... Audience, does he not sound like me in my first interview with Rolo? I'm just saying. (laughs) No, because I've gone through a little bit of a process here where I had to sit back and kind of think about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But And I'm not saying there should ever be a situation of disrespect, but in a household where a woman makes more money, Mm -hmm. is in a position of authority is in a more dominant role, you're going to have a problem in that household. You are. That woman is going to be very distracted away from that man by a guy over here who is who is expressing a more dominant masculine energy. So when you say that men, or when you talk about the, the um, head of household thing, mm-hmm. to, just to go back to that really quick, I think that this should, again, like what I just said, be dependent on the decision being made. So there's plenty of times where me and my wife might disagree on things, and then I kind of, you know, explain my position mm-hmm. and explain why, and then she gives hers, and then sometimes I'm like, you know what, that's a good point. I think that that's, that's a good idea. Let's go for it. That's fine. So, but that doesn't make her the head of household because she greenlit that decision, no, right? No, it doesn't, it's, but if there's... We're working as a team. That's the goal But there. what is the energy in the house? Who has the dominant energy in the house? You can't have one person. There, there is a dominant energy in every house. Somebody has it. I don't know what dominant energy is. That sounds like some hippie. Okay, stuff. let's put it into the bed. <laughs> is there a dominant energy in a bedroom? Does um, one person have a more dominant energy in a bedroom? A man or a woman? I'm, I'm not saying. 
I'm saying in, in every all bedroom. Of this is pl- like I, I just the thing is again is that if you want to have those types of dynamics, it's fine. But it's the the expectation that it should be that way that oftentimes. But here's what I'm harm. here's what all I'm well, saying though: just, is there a dominant energy? It, I'm not telling you men or woman. In, I'm saying in every in every household, in mm-hmm. every bedroom, and it may look different bedroom to bedroom, house to house. Is there a dominant energy, a more authoritative energy in those scenarios? I would say yes. It would. I somebody honestly, has it would to be wholly more. depend on the household. I mean, you there are some ha- households where there. Yes, you're going to have the man who is like the ultimate authority. And when you're talking about the bedroom stuff, um, usually when <laughs> it's been demonstrated that when women are expected to be submissive in that role, they have less than satisfying sexual experiences. Women are not expected it's, to be submissive. They women are. become submissive because it's appealing to them because they like a man to act like a man. If they like that, then they don't report negative you sexual satisfaction. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me. That your statistics show that women want to run the bedroom. I mean, I then say, that's not what I said. What I said is the idea that because they're a woman, they must be the total submissive one. But you're here. caught up. That is leading to less than ideal sexual experiences. So you're caught up in, and I see this as a trend, always societal expectations. And mm-hmm. what I'm talking about is that men and women are different by nature of their biology and their hormonal makeup. This and is as the a lazy, result, this is lazy. It's not lazy. This it's, is lazy. It's science. No, it's not. This it is, is the, this is the lazy it way is. out. You can you can show you want to talk about studies, you can show studies of babies, newborns, male and female newborns that respond to stimuli differently. Yeah. You can show studies of And male babies very are more emotionally young, responsive, by the way. There was something about a study I saw recently about how um, women, newborn female babies respond more to faces and male babies responded more to mobiles or something like that. Uh, they effect. tended like um, um, using their hands, yes, stuff yes. like that. So it, different. Even, even the sex hormones that, before they're even born, the sex hormones that comprise the makeup of the womb when it's a male womb versus when it's, uh, you know, when there's a male inside the womb versus a female are different. So these well, things absolutely affect the brain chemistry of I individuals. I agree with this, but the reason I'm saying it's a lazy way out is to say, like a minute ago, you said like women don't like when they make more than the ma- the man. I'm saying um, they divorce happens in cases more often when women earn more. That gap there's has a, closed, a though. I already said that. Reason for no, that, though. because this is why it's the lazy way out. Is you're saying. Oh well, it's probably just their biology that they prefer the man to be the breadwinner. I'm not saying it's probably just their biology. I'm saying their biology and their hormones and their the differences between men and women that are factually based, grounded in science, plays a role in it. I'm not saying society plays no role, by the way. Yeah, but what I'm not saying society plays the exclusive role. So, in other words, society impacts us. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Just I, the reason I'm saying it sounds like a lazy way out is. Yes, there is a large societal component. If you are raised in an environment where you are taught that a good masculine man is the one who's providing, and then you end up being the one being the main breadwinner, that might make you uncomfortable. That's not because of the biology or her hormones or anything. So that, it's that, because of the expectation that she has been socialized silly. into. That's silly. It is because, not silly. Now, by the way, and I, it's I will agree with too. you. I so will agree ha- with you that there is a social component to. But behavior. I have to I have to ask you a follow-up question. So it already has shown that yes, there was a time where if the woman made more, particularly in the 1980s, mm-hmm. that would raise the likelihood of divorce, mm-hmm. usually because men felt insecure. That gap has now closed. That no longer is a risk. So if it was a biological factor, you would not see that gap close. Instead, society has been more accepting of women being top earners, and if the man is better at stay-at-home dad, he can be the stay-at-home one. 
and we're not seeing an increase so in divorce. So what you're that, saying, this, that, is, that this is the underlying your biological no, no, claim. I'm, it's not a purely biological claim. I'm not saying that biology dictates everything. What I'm saying is that there are components of biology, components of just anatomy, like science, genes, um, mm-hmm. chromosomes, hormones that play a role and society impacts that as well people are a products of the society that they are raised in and grow up in all of that i think that both of those things come into play and we can actually usher this right into our gender activism but this is why but this is why i feel like it's the lazy way is because but why is that lazy to say that these two things coexist and have an impact wait but it is (laughs) everybody wait everybody's behavior is a mixture of their socialization and their biology that's how humans are right we are all a result but you have a whole but Wait, no, is, no, no. Hold on a second, though. We have a whole society of people in 2023 that don't acknowledge that biology exists. So we can't just assume. Before we move on to that, the thing is, the problem, the reason this is lazy is because it's easier to be like, eh, women prefer the man to be the breadwinner. Uh, it's probably or mostly biological. If that gap has closed, then somewhere the biology is no longer calling the shots. So I would ask Clearly, you, there are is those a social household, element. I there. would ask you, we, we would have to go and ask those people. What do those households look like? Are they happy? Are they in a functional, healthy relationship? What does I mean, that look the, like? I mean, if, if they're the not risk divor- of divorce well, is going I mean, gone down, that then doesn't probably is necessarily fine. translate to that. I, I I don't know. All I can say to you is that there is a dom like when we talk about, and I think the red pill community has certain interpretations of the word submissive. That's you know some fine controversial, whatever it may be. But if you're talking about a dynamic of men and women. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a discomfort. Why do women consistently say they want a gentleman? What does that mean to be a gentleman? It means that there's a certain authority about you. You're opening doors. You're making sure she gets home okay. You are exhibiting a form of dominance in that relationship. Why do they consistently say that they want a guy that makes more than $100,000 a year? Because it's important to them that that guy be a financially stable rock to lean on. You don't see guys saying that about women. Why? Because they're not looking to lean on a woman in the same way that a woman is looking to lean on a man. That structure is absolutely present in society, not because society tells you, but because women are biologically inclined to be thinking about, first of all, our hormonal cycle does not enable us to be nine to five crazy go-getters in the same capacity as men. It doesn't. Even when it comes to exercise, that's a reality. And secondly, our biology is ticking time, like a ticking time on toward, do I want a family? Do I want to have, you know, have a baby, pregnancy, ups and downs of a menstrual cycle, all of that comes into play. And they know because that biologically, biology is hooked into reality, they know that they want that flexibility to be able to stay at home and to be able to have that rock to lean on. Men don't have to think about any of that stuff. So that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is biology plays a role in what you prioritize and what you, where your thought process goes well beyond what society can tell you. In the same way that society can sit down and tell you that, you know, um, men shouldn't care about body count because equality or something doesn't change the reality that men do care about body count because that's coming from a hard wire within. That is com- some of this stuff is intrinsic, not all, but some, there has to be a component of it that we acknowledge is intrinsic. I mean, I, again, like I've said, obviously there is a degree of biology interacting with the society around you. Um, but even when you, you say like women are just not as good at, at the nine to five go-getters. I didn't say not as good. I said not hardwired hormonally in the same way for a consistent nine to five grind. And the reason for that- But then why that, do women thrive in these circumstances? Why are women benefiting? Are they thriving? Women yes. are horribly unhappy. Horribly no, wait, 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 unhappy. Wait, 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 hold on. 
Everybody is unhappy right now. Women happiness, are more unhappy now than they were 30 years ago. Happiness rates in general are decreasing. Here's what I'm talking are, to you are, about. Yes, decreasing. Testosterone looks like this. Testosterone, if you look at, I wish I had my hormonal thing. I'm really into hormones because I had a regular hormones for a while. So it led me to a lot of research. Testosterone is flat. It's steady. Right, mm -hmm. which is why personal trainers, when they train women versus men, sometimes will look at guys and they can do a more of a consistent workout schedule. Women are like all like this because we have all of these different phases of a hormonal cycle. Mm -hmm. They'll even structure workouts where they'll say women can't go hardcore at this in this phase. I don't remember it's the luteal or I, I don't know the details of that, but in this phase, they're more likely to need more rest. Like everything is designed around translate. but it no, absolutely that doesn't translate well, no, to that the doesn't work translate cycle. to them not being or you said they're not you said you didn't say they're not as good no i'm but they're no they're very good they're very good i'm not saying they're not good i'm saying i've done studies also where i showcase that women are fantastic multitaskers and when you put a bunch of tasks in front of women they're more likely to be able to complete um a number, uh, a number of tasks at once. I think it was. I have to pull that study again. But we basically mm -hmm. showed that women are an asset in the workplace in these regards. Yeah. However, we're not wired for it in the same way because of biology. And that is why you have women constantly trying to, I call it like feminized workplaces, like Bagel Friday and we need a break for this and let's have it more team building. And they do this. But we that's do been this a thing for a while, right? Like bagels no, on but the we, workplace. But we that do just this like to spaces because we need it. Because biologically, our body is telling us, give us more work-life balance. I don't, I, I have a lot of issues with what you're saying right now. I am not denying that there is a biological component. I'm not denying that women have hormonal fluctuations that differ from men. I'm not denying any of that. We would need to look at how that translates to um, their behavior in the workforce. You'd have to look at, is it actually causing problems? Is it actually not what about causing like, problems? Well, you what would about, have to look at that. You can't just say women are hardwired what this about way. Their... And, well, hold on one more thing. And even more so, even if someone's hardwired to be a certain way, I don't know if that's necessarily, if that means that that's exactly the way that they should live. A lot of the times, if we're going to appeal to nature, the way that we just kind of are, doesn't always translate to, well, then you should behave that way. A female cannot compete with male testosterone. I male agree. testosterone is a driver toward action. It is, first of all, it's what makes men healthy, right? Testosterone is so important to, it's been demonized, right? I think it was, um, who was it, James Cameron that said, like, testosterone is toxic recently. We covered that. But that's another garbage thing. But testosterone is key for you, for how you're, Anatomy thrives, your organs, so you your bones. Then. Well, I would hope so. Take that I mean, red pillars. You know, who knows in 2023, maybe you identify as a cat, who knows? But, you know, <laughs> testosterone is vital for you, but testosterone is incredibly powerful. It's a driver of ambition. It's a driver in a way that female hormonal makeup is not. That That is why men go into these work environments, and you don't need a study to show this. You just need eyes and ears. They will go in. They will be hardwired to work 15, 16, 17-hour days. There is a drive there that comes from biology. 56% of women right now reported in the latest Gallup are poll. They, they have ha said that they want to go into the workforce. Of course. Not that they have to. Of course. They want to. Of course. There's your so is that not an ambition? There is your societal impact. Does that not sound like they have ambition then to work? It sounds like women have been told for a very long time that they have to compete with a man. 
that they're working overtime to try to make up for the fact that their hormone makeup is not driven toward that, that they much more are suited for a work-life balance and that they are much happier in those spaces, which is why you have every, every single, let me, I'm just going to make a statement about my own life. Every single corporate CEO oh, I know that is female is unhappy. Why is that? Why is that? And every single one of those people will tell you, if you if you have a heart-to-heart with them and they, they really open up, will sit down and come from media business where all of these women are suffering inside <laughs> deeply because, just, because they are not wired the same way for it and they are trying to do what society tells them to do. I'm not telling women not to work, by the way. I know. No, I understand. And I'm not telling women, listen, I have a show here. I have a career that came before this. I'm not telling them not to do that. But because I've been in the thick of that, I can tell you that you should honor your biology. And if your body is telling you this is overwhelming, how many of those women come home and can't find the work-life balance and are absolutely miserable? How many women do we know on antidepressants right now? How, how many, many women men? are on anxiety? For how different reasons. How many reasons. people in general are unhappy if they for don't have a good work-life balance? Reasons. That's just, that's again, this is... Men do not crave a work-life balance the way women do. They don't because they're they're driven by. You cannot ignore the impact of these hormones. If and that was true, then the why do women do not only do well in a work environment, but they significantly benefit work environments? Because well, that, that's not to say they're not capable. Oh, but you're I'm saying, not saying they're that. not following their biology. They're not they're, hardwired I'm for that apparently. So how are they benefiting the company? I'm saying they're capable. They're smart. They're organized. They're great at interpersonal relationships. I'm not here to, to rag on women. I am one. I know that what I bring to the table and I'm proud of the fact that I'm a woman and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not telling these women what to do. What I am telling you is that you cannot compete with male testosterone and there are a number of women, an increasing number of women who go into these spaces, feel like they have to compete with men in a corporate structure, climb this corporate ladder. One, they push their whole family life aside for an extended period of time. They delay that. They wind up in a freeze your eggs panic. And because there is a there is a biological clock that women have to think about that men don't. That's mm-hmm. a whole societal component. And then they're depressed and miserable and looking back and like the career's not gonna keep you warm at night in the same way that a husband and a child will. I can tell you that from experience. That would depend because it again, doesn't. well, this is why I like but numbers. It doesn't. But this is why I feel like you don't like numbers no, as I, much as I do. Because I, it's but not the bad numbers, numbers that exist don't help you. What they do the numbers show? In, they, they show, show that, that the stay at home moms they show it that stay at home moms have higher rates of depression. They show that women who are in caregiving positions I, What did I say? I didn't say anything about stay at home mom. They said that women who are in caregiving positions report more negative emotions. This idea that just because they're women they would be happier if they had a child and a husband that's not necessarily true. That's People not what are I'm happiest that's when they're living the lives that's that not, they want to live. That's not what I said. What I said is there are an increasing number of women who climb the corporate ladder, feel that they have to compete with a man, are told they have to compete with a man, follow that path, do want a family and a husband, delay it, and wind up at the end of the road thinking that they spent a lot of time on something that shouldn't have been a priority and look back at that and say, I was working my fingers to the bone to be what society told me I needed to be and that didn't bring me joy. That's what I'm saying. So do I'm you not... think that there is a middle ground then? Because say that you have a single woman and she does want to get married at some point. She wants to have a kid. But it's also important that she has a means by which she can support herself independently yeah. before she's married, right? So, yeah. I mean, if she's working. The thing is that I always wonder is why can't you do both? Like, I, I feel because like. You, because, you, because it's hard to do both as a woman. Because time passes very quickly and fertility windows are what they are. I oh, I'm sorry. I should clarify. I mean, if you have a husband and you yeah. have a child. You can do both. A lot of the times it's seen as this either or. It's like become the, the Who family takes care person. Of the child? Or, hmm? Who takes care of the child? It would depend, I guess. So let's say you have two working parents in a house. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what your situation is. I 
I have an odd flex, oddly flexible situation, obviously. Maybe I do, you too. do as well. I kind of understand right. that. Right. Yeah. So let's say you have two working parents in a house and the woman wants to stay and do what she has a passion for a career, whatever it may be. She wants to stay. The husband is going to stay. W- what happens with that child? If there's not, let's take out that grandma lives next door because right. that's not a lot of people's reality. I wish it was my reality. Mom, please move. But it's not a lot of people's. W- what happens to that child? I mean, unfortunately, some kids are just kind of put in daycare and they're raised in daycare. That's why. But the problem. Well, hold on. If we want to talk about the reality, a lot of the times the reality is that the way the economy is right now, both parents need to work. Sometimes it's seen as like the the selfish woman Mm -hmm. is neglecting the child. What about the families who they're just scraping by and they both need to work? Mm -hmm. That's also a reality. Fair. So So, what happens to that child? Like this, this is what that's fair. So should if they can't both if wait, if they can't support the child with just the income of one parent, then should they not have? No, what I'm saying to you is that's fair. That's a fair assessment that that does happen, that you have families where both parents need to work. But Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, is it worth a look? And and I'm not, this is not even what I'm saying to do, but why can't we have a conversation about, is that the ideal though? Is the ideal situation that both parents work? Right. I would say no. And I would agree. If they have a kid, yeah, the ideal situation would be that somebody is with that child to more often. with that child, right? And, um, it could be and, I, and I ask, I don't remember who did the, talking about like, um, you may have an issue with this. I don't know. But somebody did. Oh God, was it Tate? Who was it that said, if you walked into a nursery and let's say you walked into a daycare center, you have a daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you walked into a daycare center for your three-year-old and you looked around and there were a bunch of kids there and there were 10 people who worked there mm-hmm. to take care of your little girl and it was 10 men, mm-hmm. would that would that be seem odd to you? Probably, yeah. Why? Because right now it's primarily women in those positions. Would it feel odd to you? Would you prefer if you could walk next door and you could have 10 women take care of your little girl? Would you opt for that? Um, it, it would, again, depend. This is where the socialization aspect comes okay, in. Okay, but because it's this, not just socialization. But no, I know though. where you're going with this. No, no, but, but tell You're but trying but, to make the argument that women are sort of naturally nurturers and better caregivers. I'm not trying people. to make the argument. I'm making the argument because it's true. No, it's not. That's women are what I'm naturally saying. more nurturing Wait. by nature. That's not, hold on. Women are not as happy in these positions, primarily when they are expected to be in these positions, when that's not what they want Forget to about do. expectation when somebody doesn't want to do it, because that's like saying that somebody has a baby and they never wanted a baby. But women are expected more so to be the nurturers, well, the I'm not caregivers. talking about ex- expectation, though. I'm talking about biology. So I carried a child in my belly, and that, I, I gave that little boy life, right? So... There is a connection I have to him that no one's going to have, including my husband. My husband has his own relationship with my son, but that nurturing chip, Mm -hmm. that's biology. I'm not saying that a guy can't be, I'm not saying a guy can't be warm and a guy can't be affectionate and a guy can't be, I'm not even saying that a guy can't be nurturing, but I'm saying that, is it not just a reality that by nature women are more nurturing? Can we not just acknowledge that? I mean, why, why is it so hard to just acknowledge that there are certain differences in men and women men are stronger yes they're stronger they're you're you're more built for a fight for a physical fight in 
across the board. I mean, of course, yeah, you pull in a female boxer and she comes at you today, you're going to be like, wrecked. shit. Yeah. But maybe not, actually. I don't know. I'm not a know. very good metric. I mean, like a, a chihuahua could beat me up. Okay. So, well, yeah. <laughs> don't say that too proudly. Just say <laughs> But you know, you know what I'm Soy saying? Barring pride, okay. that though, barring like, you know, we just, why can't we just ignore, I, I just don't understand how we got to a place where... You can't just acknowledge basic differences, and but I'm not I'm not afraid to acknowledge the basic differences. But you if are. you're going to say women are naturally nurturers, how is that being measured? What do you mean by that exactly? Uh, why does a that... man can be a nurturer also? <laughs> you you don't. But to say women are more nurturing by nature than men, you don't feel comfortable to make that assessment. I feel like it intuitively seems correct because that's what you see a lot. That's However, silly. I think that a Hunter, lot of that's the times, silly. well, no, that's I think silly. that a lot of the times we assume. That, oh, this is just biology. Oh, women are just kind of built for this. No, this we is don't just assume how... it exists. It's biology. Women give but birth it... to babies. They carry the child in their belly. Our pain receptors are connected. This is just a reality of, of life, of having a child. You're... It's, it's a different relationship, mom to baby, than dad to baby because yeah. of that, because of what happens. You're feeling the... I mean, you grow this person. You have a like, unique connection with that child. And there's course. there's a reason why... I'm not, I'm not here to make a comment about women who are put into caregiver positions against their will. Of course, that's problematic. You don't want those people in those positions. You don't want anybody, frankly, in any job they don't want to be in. They're going to just be a hazard in some way. But women gravitate towards certain things by nature like why because there's different priorities women grab when you look at like engineering school or you look at a teaching degree that's not all societally induced like you must that there are preferences that are male and female because men and women are different it's sure, okay they, to say that i'm I completely acknowledge that males and females are but different. But you're, 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 you're very are, stuck on the societal role. And I'm because, not saying it doesn't exist, but it doesn't take away from the, the realities what of I'm, those okay, differences. Okay, so let's say I concede then. Okay, it's biological. Then what? The societal aspect we can change. We can influence to the benefit of women and men if we need to. We can change that aspect. The biology thing, if you're right, it's okay, then it's biology, I guess. Cool. Then what? Then what? What? Then then you acknowledge that there are certain roles that are more conducive to women and certain to men, and they will naturally gravitate toward them. And everyone needs to stop being upset about I it. I think that when you, just the, even the example you just brought up, the the teachers compared to the engineers, this is a this is a perfect example of the way society does influence this. Women were massive contributors to STEM research. Women, arguably, are well, they contributed massively to it at mm -hmm. the time, and so. Where they gravitate, the careers they choose to go to, the roles they fall yeah. into, that is heavily, not just partially, it is heavily socially influenced. When women That's are like saying people have the So what what does that mean? A woman a woman decide goes to school and says, I want to study this. That's mm -hmm. not because that's what she really wants to do. That's what because it was what society told her that she wants to do. That's ridiculous. Like no, saying we're all say puppets no. in a machine? No, 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 no. I'm saying quite the opposite. I'm saying that According to you, that woman would sit down and naturally gravitate towards no, what I'm wanting to do something you, more caring. What I'm saying is that women, individuals, first of all, will naturally gravitate toward different things. We can both acknowledge that. But you can't ignore the reality that the, if you look at people in an education department in a school, you're going to see more women gravitating toward that. If you look at a science technology division in a company, you're going to see more men. That's not Why? because companies are saying, I'm only going to hire men. That's not because of discrimination. That is because women and men are different and they are naturally 
on their own, without society dictating to them, they have completely free opportunity to do whatever they want, this making different choices. This it's is false. not false. So for example, there was a really good little study that was done where they showed that when girls were going through science textbooks, simply having a photo there in the science textbook of a male scientist tended to influence the way that they viewed those careers. So after the fact, virtually everybody in the study said, draw a picture of a scientist, they drew a picture of a man. Why do you think that is? Do you genuinely think that it's just this biological, I'm a man, I must be doing no, science crap? I'm saying that's not that the case. If you're not everyone, just if I can not further everyone expand. is societally programmed to that level. Well, no, like but just you if could, I can further you expand can, here. You could draw you bro- all the pictures in the world from me. Like I'm not gonna I don't care if you put women in in I see tons of books out now where women aren't they're pushing it on everyone. This 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 now you know, diversity hiring and Hold on. there's so much, there's so much evidence that contradicts what you're saying. So for example, something happened in the 1990s. I don't know if you remember the X-Files. Um, the show? Yeah. Yeah. The X-Files came out and it was called the Scully effect where they, this obviously wasn't the first time a female scientist was ever shown on TV, but, um, the, the way it was depicted, I think mm-hmm. was unique. And then you saw a massive uptick from there of women going yeah. into scientific fields. Saying, oh, that's if cool, you, I want to do that because I saw you, it on a TV show, sure. If, wait, if you grow up in an environment where all you primarily see is man doing science and girl that's being silly. teacher. That's that, silly. No, it's not. That is literally it's called totally social ridiculous. conditioning. That's what happens to everybody. That means to everybody is socially conditioned. So, and, and, so yes. Said, okay, so for everything, biology plays no role in anything. I have never said that's that. That's ridiculous. No, you're, you're misinterpreting what I so said. So let me ask I, you a question. Wait, 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 you, no, 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 wait, wait. Wait. Because earlier I just said that we are all a result wait, wait, of our wait, biology interacting Let's with society. Let's say we were born and we're born and we're placed on, uh, I'm trying to make this so that there would be almost no media influence, no books. You're born and you're thrown on a desert island, okay? Men, women, 20 of us, okay? I'm there, you're there. We grow up, we're the same age. You don't feel that on that desert island, women and men would naturally gravitate toward different things without, forget about what they saw in books, there are none. What they see in TV, there is none. What they see, there, you don't feel that you would see a very clear delineation between male and female behavior, not 100%, mm-hmm. but let's say 90% of the time. If you're on a desert island needing to survive, then yeah, probably the people with testosterone, since they're stronger, are going to begin uh, hunting, building. Um, and yeah, you're probably going to see some, some differentiation there that In interest does, but, as well. but that does not translate to testosterone means do math or do science. I'm not saying testosterone or do engineering. means do math or science. What I'm saying is that men and women are gravitating toward different things. But you need and to ask yourself movement, why that is. That's, there's a that's movement why I'm in this country that refuses to acknowledge biological differences and that biological differences play a role. You're acknowledging that. This is that. lazy. This is la- to just be like men and it's women gravitate lazy, towards different things and that's just lazy. that's just how not it is, Not everything is a social construct. Gender is also not a it's social not, construct. I nothing I said was, has anything to <laughs> do with social construct. that is the construct. talking point. That is the talking Wait, point. Everything is a social construct. That was now. a massive pivot, though, because nothing I said has anything to do with social construct. You're talking you're about societal impact. It's because, not lazy. Because what you're saying is women are going this way, men are going this way, and that's just, you know, that's the reality that's of their what biology. I'm saying. What I'm saying is women are making these choices. Men Why? are making these choices. Why? Why do they make those choices? Do you think it's, and it's predominantly not all biology? Because they are told that's what they're supposed to do. It's just not. I don't People think that not... they're being sat down and being like, you are a girl, so you will do this. I think that. There are subtle ways that we are influenced. You don't think there's there are, textbooks out now in engineering that showcase women? I mean, that's silly. Maybe th- 50 years wait, ago. That's again, that's not like the only thing. So I'm what talking are women be? What so, messaging? Where are they? Where are women receiving messaging that science and engineering is not is not? W- w- what does that look like? 
they're probably receiving some of that message from your show. You That's just said that women are gravitating so, towards oh, this and so men are grown, gravitating wait, towards Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. A grown woman, <laughs> a grown woman, God help her if she exists, is listening to my show. And because I'm saying this, she is so undeniably programmable that she deviates from what she naturally wants no. and believes it's societally appropriate for her to do. That's silly. This is a straw man. What I'm talking about you is when you it. are born into an environment where... But you, you, no, but tell me specifically where. Tell me how a woman... Tell me how a woman um, who wants to go into science and engineering, let's say just that's it. Oh, I'm really interested in this. What does she see along the way that would, that society would impose in some way that would deviate her from that and tell her, no, it's time for me to be a school teacher? Right. So maybe I need to be more clear here. I don't think that there's some like evil society being like, you're a girl, you need to do this. You're a boy, you need to do this. What it is, is when you are born into general society in this world that we live in, you see things, yes, on TV, you witness people around you, you see the averages, you see that most scientists are depicted as men, or you see that mm -hmm. most engineers are depicted as men. And you- Not anymore, that's not you, real. Okay, maybe not anymore, which is probably a good thing. That's but, not happening. And then you begin to internalize that. Yeah. And that is what motivates Women are being to told a large extent those that decisions. That is not accurate. Women are being told every single day ad nauseum truthfully you can do anything you want you can be anything you want but not every woman you can and do especially this. not little you girls can do are that. watching some you're in the military thing. there's separate sets of standards you could be a fireman even though that's utterly ridiculous in most cases you can be they're being told this all the time what it's about, coming like, in and out of their doctors years doctors are shown yes. so frequently being men that's right? ridiculous. And so that's that going to not, motivate that kind that of decision That is not making. a reality of the 2023 world. You can say that there was a time where that was a reality. That is not happening today. Women are being inculcated ad nauseum with you can do anything you want. You can do what a man does. You can do this job, this job, this job. So much so that even to the point where they don't have the qualifications, like, by the way, how I feel women shouldn't be in first line of combat or women shouldn't not be able to pass the firefighter's test and then the standards are lowered for a woman to make room for a woman and everybody's life is put at risk as a result. It's happening everywhere. So I take issue with that. We just I would Delhi. take issue um, with, well, just if I could. Yes, go ahead. One with I, I would take issue with that as well. And again, I'm not saying that women are just going to see something on TV and decide yeah. to change their mind all of a sudden. I'm talking about a slow and subtle social conditioning that usually starts from a very young age. I would be I would be willing to bet that most six year old girls are not sitting down listening to the feminist talk show where they say you're a girl you can do whatever you want. Have you ever they seen little little boys and girls naturally like little small go toward different types of toys? The studies that happen where girls will naturally go toward more girly toys and boys will go to not all the time but mm -hmm. they will naturally little little one years old they're different. Like, and then it's like, oh, it's society telling girls they need to play with the doll. And that no, it's not society telling a one-year-old that she's going to play with a doll. It's a one-year-old girl, female, looking at a doll and being different than the boy that's banging the truck. You can go into any, I have a little boy, you have a little girl. I'm sure you've been to a playground or two in your day. Mm. <laughs> I go to playgrounds all the time. You walk into these playgrounds, you see male and female, little kids, little behaving. My mom says to me every day, oh my gosh, my kid is a maniac. He's a boy. He is wrestling. Yeah. He is rough my and tumble. Is crazy. Yeah. He is insane. He, it's not the same. You see girls, little girls and boys, small, one year old, two years old. They are fundamentally different in terms of how they behave. It's or already the hormones are playing a role. And I'm not saying everyone, I'm not saying you can't have an outlier, but preferences are not all societally informed mm -hmm. and you see that you wouldn't see evidence so young it, it's just 
I feel like there is a an effort to just just if we just took away the talking points for a second and just thought about life and thought we would just be like okay men and women are different boys and girls are different okay done it wouldn't be so but controversial. if we went your route that would be like okay well why are there more male doctors well probably just because they're just naturally kind of gravitate towards that they're just kind of better maybe men are more rational you know no i'm there are more male do- if there are not male female doctors right now it's because women aren't pursuing those fields it's because they don't want to but that's but that is my who point. cares you're though they don't want my, to wait, wait wait you're proving my point right now you're saying women don't want to pursue those fields do you yeah, think that society is going to have an influence on what you want to pursue in your life do you this think that society silly. is this not is going so... to have some impact there? This uh, is yes, why. Of so a lot of people will talk about. They'll say, um, "Who was it? Just pearly things brought up," because somebody referenced the wage gap, which, by the way, is a BS talking point. Don't don't get me wrong. And then she said, "Well, women ask for raises less. That's mm-hmm. true. Yes. Why? Does it have anything to do with the fact that women are expected to be more agreeable, a little bit kinder, kind of go with the flow?" There are expectations and social influences that heavily impact the decisions we make. I feel like the the problem we're getting. No, I, in, I don't think so. I think that women are more agreeable. I don't think they're expected to be more agreeable. They are more agreeable. Again, so what would you say I, then about the doctor thing? Do you think that women are just better or just no, not as No, I think that women should do what they want to do. I think women should do what they want to do. And I think if they want to become doctors, there's plenty of room for you to become a doctor. And if you don't want to become a doctor, you shouldn't become a doctor. And I don't think you should blame society for the reasons why you don't become a doctor. That's whatever. not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to blame society. If you're not qualified or you fail your test that's or whatever, it. that's your fault. But the reasoning fault, for but... why that individual woman is driven toward being a doctor, I mean, I can't explain that to you. All I can tell you is that from very small, men and women are different. Yes. And so... we, we just just acknowledge that biology plays some role. You can't, you're, you can't you're, look you're at a You're appealing to the biology, acting like that's the main thing, though. It is. There is, there is a and biological I'm not thing. Not a, so you're saying there is a biological component, but society, the societal influence is it interacts more with significant. It. It inter- and I'm yes. saying that the biology is more significant, but the societal influence plays a role. So that's all. But then where? But how does the biological thing play into with women deciding to not be doctors? How does that play in? Where is that I, a biological I, I'm thing? Not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. That's that wasn't my argument. That was your argument. You're asking me to enter your. I'm asking premise. you to explain why I, when I there's discrepancies I can't explain here, to why you. I can't it, explain to you why women, there's plenty of women doctors. I don't see a discrepancy in the number of men and women doctors anywhere that I go. I, I, I don't see that ratio even. The reason I brought up education and the reason I brought up engineering is because you do see that ratio of men, much more men over here and much more women. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to sign on to, the, to, to some version of reality where that is primarily due to social engineering in some way. I am not willing to sign on that dotted line. Um, I am willing to sign on the dotted line of there is a societal impact. It all affects us. We watch television. We consume magazines. It's a reality of who we are. But I'm not willing to say that it is the primary or main reasoning as to why those 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 different choices happen. Right. That's and I would just kind of go back to I, I know STEM is not the same as engineering, but I would just STEM's kind a little of, bit different. Yeah. I would just go back to the fact that. If that were the case, then I don't know why women actually thrive in some of these environments. So there's less women that go Define into- Define thrive. There's less women that go into- uh, Define thrive. Hold on. There's less women that go into STEM. Mm-hmm. When women are part of STEM, they thrive there, meaning they offer significant contributions to the that's field. That's not what thrive, that, that's a definition of thriving. Again, are they happy? Are they fulfilled? I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that question okay. for you, but that has nothing to That's, do with it. Yes, it does. No, it has everything to do with it because you're saying that would be natural. So you're if it's natural, about, then why is it, why are you're, they still good at it? You're talking about the outliers. The women who go into that are the outliers. They exist. Yes. They're, they're having a great time. They're loving it. They're the outliers. I'm talking about in, in, 
I'm not talking about, say, the 5% that are in there and thriving and happy, maybe, let's assume they're happy, they're, you're whatever, but the 95% that aren't, that makes up, why? Why did that distribution happen that way? Hmm, let's think about it. Maybe more men are inclined to do this by virtue of something that's not societal. Maybe there's something going on. Hmm, interesting. But that's what doesn't make sense to me. I, maybe I can clarify better. And then we have to wrap. I want to go to another point okay. because we're going to, we're at 245. So. All right, sorry, sorry. Let me just, I'll wrap up with this. Yeah. If there was a, a primary natural thing here, yeah. a drive or an inclination, then I wouldn't expect to see women who are, according to you, going against their biological inclination to success, uh, to succeed and contribute to these fields. I'm not saying if they're, they're going against I'm not biology, saying those, why are they doing well I'm not well saying you're there? going against your biological, that, that, is, that didn't come out of my mouth. I didn't say going against your biological inclination. What I said is that biology and hormones and who you are as a man versus who you are as a woman informs the types of decisions that you make. And there are more women doing this and more men doing that. And there are some women over here who are thriving and there are some men over here who are teachers and whatnot and thriving. But if we can look at the why of why there are so many more women over here and so many more men over here, there might be something to it beyond societal influence. That's what I'm saying. Okay. We and can agree just, to disagree. I, we can agree to we disagree. We have to agree to disagree. Time. Otherwise, if we need have... to move on. I guess. <laughs> yes. Okay. I want to ask you just because I, I'm not sure which topic to go to here. I want to pick the most interesting one for where we might. Um... What are the options? So how did, did you support the mandates and all that with, um, do we want to talk mandates? We can talk LGBT. I don't know what else. What we... would you like to talk about? Because I'm happy to talk. I actually have a couple of, do you support the mandates though? I'm just, I just want to ask before I go um, into, because if you, do... if you didn't, then it's. No, it's... no, I'm, I'm okay with them. I'm not like, yay, mandates, but okay, I, so maybe we'll I definitely disagree with some of the things you've said about that. Okay. So we can do that. We're going to do two more deli. Um, do we have 10 and up? We have a lot. Yeah, surprisingly. Okay. So then we're going to have to do 15 and up. Okay. Do you have a hard out? No. Okay. I might have a hard out. I might have a hard out, but the <laughs> boys are going to be like, get out of there, Jen. Let's do some chats because um, let's do 10 and up. And then I want to get to a tweet of yours. We'll do about LGBT. Because okay. I know you're very passionate about that now. And Can then I we'll... see the tweet? Just out of curiosity um, that you Sure. Saved. Let me... Oh, I didn't... Was um, it that one there? I don't... No, no, no. This is what, a, what is a woman. I don't want to do that oh. one. Um, go ahead, Del. You can start. I'll... I don't have it here. It's, That's uh, okay. uh, it's Wally Walton oh, it says, one. I like to no. say it's more like spending your youth as opposed to wasting it. It's being used the way she wants it. It may not be optimal for a man looking for love, but it's good for a good time. Yeah, you know what? Um... You know how I feel about male promiscuity too. That's a dark hole too. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend my time doing that if I was a guy either. To be honest, that's a. I agree with you. Disaster. Promiscuity in general is probably just not a good idea. It's just not good. It's a black hole. Focus on yourself. Make some money. Become financially stable. Exercise. Eat right. Take care of your mental and physical health before you go down that dark hole. That would be my advice. Yeah. Uh, John said, "What Jed's talking about, where people lie on surveys, is called social favorability bias. Essentially, where people answer questions in a way they think will be viewed favorably by others." Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happens too often, but it's part of human nature. This is from Omega. He says, Hunter does not understand that the trends of women affect the attitudes of women. Likely, it is women who are the ones that enforce and bemoan masculine stoicism. Men typically do what women want. Yes, that is, I hear this point a lot, and that is like verbatim just proving me correct. When we're talking about a socialized um, or socialization in regards to the masculinity, then women also witness that. Women are also seeing what is perceived as masculine and what isn't. So yeah, some women are going to be turned off by her man getting emotional or crying or whatnot. That doesn't mean that this isn't a social thing that needs That's to change. That's not what happens, though. We could, we, you and I could do like 
hours Wait, on it, just society. Why? It happens because, again, I'm going to bring you back to the bio- biological component of this. Because I have to, I have something about that. Then there's too. a there's a there's a fragility that female feel females feel in life due to number one our size and stature. We're just smaller. Like in the same way that a woman can walk down a dark alley, and even if there's a guy approaching who's big, he may be totally harmless. We instantly are like checking to make sure like can we get out of here like what's you know we just have that so what becomes problematic for us is if a guy isn't is overly emotional in the sense that he doesn't have control of his emotions if he doesn't know how to exercise control Mm -hmm. that means that we can't lean on him that he's not a stable force so I think more than a conversation about like men shouldn't be told you can't cry but men having control of their emotions is also important because it can be scary to be with a man who doesn't because then you do they have a propensity toward violence do they have a propensity toward anger so that's a little bit of a different angle from actually i think we we totally i we would totally agree with that that's kind of goes back to the emotional intelligence thing which is just recognizing the time and place to express certain emotions and if one of those emotions is crying or being vulnerable recognize the situation and act appropriately we agree there yeah. See, common ground Common ground. What has been found yes. in numerous areas. I will say that. Okay. Not numerous. Okay, maybe a few. <laughs> Master Noob says, question for you two. Since we expect men not to show any emotion, do you think women are equipped to receive and handle men's emotion? Um, well, a lot of the times, like what I was referencing with the what divorce thing, said, yeah, yeah it's, it's more so the opposite. It's more so that women want their partner to be in touch with his own emotions and be able to be emotionally intelligent and stable to provide her that degree of emotional intimacy that she wants as well. So I, I think it would probably be the other way around. Also, what we just said about a man being in control of emotion, I think you can you can show emotion as long as you're in control of what's going, like you don't seem like you've kind of like lost it. You're not gonna start That's wailing scary. if like your ice cream. No, it becomes scary because then honestly, it's like, are you gonna start like, you know, yeah. You've lost it then. Yeah. And honestly, just really quickly, I would say that that's rules should really apply to both men and women. There's a time and a place to express certain emotions, and you need to recognize that and, and act You mean I can't throw myself on the floor and if it a panic? Uh, that's going to really affect my day. I mean, if day. you do, it'll Listen, be biological. Really so going, it will be biological, you, so. 100%, and I'm going to do it. And my husband accepts it because he's <laughs> biologically wired differently. Okay. <laughs> 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 Jamie says society runs on a clear structure of hierarchy. And that trickles down to the household dynamic as well. There has to be a clear hierarchy present in the household as well, not a partnership. I completely disagree, and all available evidence suggests otherwise. When people are in equal partnerships, not a hierarchy, those marriages thrive. They have less likelihood of divorce. They're overall happier, healthier, and have more sexual satisfaction. I don't understand really how that manifests in a... I'm very big on like language hierarchy what does that how does that manifest in behavior what does that look like partnership like what it's does that like mean what, you, it's what does sort of that what look you're like? About. like one is on top head of the household. man is head yeah and then there's yeah, the yeah. but i don't know how that behaviorally when they're talking about like how that behaviorally manifests necessarily you somebody could be head of household and it could it's a situation of mutual respect and it's just a that's all those words get fuzzy to me in terms of delineations and subjectivity and all that okay now that I made no sense. No, it's fine. I, I made sense to me is all that matters. <laughs> all right. Uh, Leon says, women expect you to be the provider because in case she gets pregnant, she wants to be taken care of. Yeah, that's biology. Um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be times, yeah, that you should probably choose your partner accordingly. And if your goal is to have a child, and especially if your goal is to be a stay-at-home mom and raise that child, then, yeah, you're obviously going to want to pursue somebody mm-hmm. who can provide for you financially. Yeah. Even if you have, you're not going to be a stay-at-home mom, there's a grace period when you have a baby that you need a minute. Like, you're not going to be able to go right back to work. And women who do go right back to work, it's 
not easy. There's a Someone's hormonal stuff leave, right? going on. Yeah, not everybody gets that though, and that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Though. Liquid says true, but very factual statement. The more sexual partners you have, the harder it is for the pair bonding to occur, mm-hmm. which leads to less successful marriages, especially if both parties have a high body count. Yep. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, Miguel says he, he <laughs> Hunter lacks experience, and that's why he cannot compare the reality of the behavior of men and women. In a few years, you will see that many men have already experienced. Many of us were like him. Well, he's married, so I don't think he's going to be experiencing anything. <laughs> like, unless he's got some type of fancy marriage like Destiny. I don't know. but <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. what Experience what? You have a closed marriage, right? Yeah. Is that, okay. I don't, you don't have to say it, but, you know. Sorry to everybody watching. <laughs> All the fans. The fangirls are like, dang. Okay. <laughs> All the red pill guys who just love me. So. Alvin says, Hunter from a Gallup, 50% of women and kids under 18 prefer to be homemakers, while 45% prefer to work outside of home. Mm-hmm. What year was that done? Because the most recent Gallup poll suggested that 56% of women uh, wanted to work. I didn't look and see. I don't know if I it was in. I don't know if it was it. in or out of the home. I mean, ideally, you would actually, if you had to have a job, right? Like it would be the best to work from home so that you could. Yeah, still and how much how, they're saying they want to work, but do they want to work full time? Do they want to work part time? Do they want to have flexibility? Do they want to work from home? Because I personally, like, I I do like to have something. Like, I love what I do, but. Mm-hmm. If you told me I had to do this full time and be eight hours a day, I'd be like, bye, see you later. Like I couldn't, yeah. that would not be for me. Well, so. I like having, being able to work from home because I can have that balance. So now. you can sit at your computer and yell at people like me all day long, which is it's not great. a bad, not a bad gig. And I don't have to worry about them punching me, which right now I kind of do. <laughs> you, so. There you go. And I, I gotta work tone out, it down. so you know, it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Debbie Raver says, if you want to see the difference between men and women in the workplace, go back to when Elon Musk said, we're about to go hard and do long hours in Twitter. Who left and who stayed? Oh, yeah. Did you see that photo? No. Did you see that photo? There's a photo out there of like post Musk and before Musk. It's like all men. It's all (laughs) males. Funny. It's just a joke, but a funny one nonetheless. Okay. Uh, Fahad said if women were shown the photo of Madam Curry, they would have gravitated to baking with radiation. Oh, my gosh. Do we have any more big ones? Because I have to get to the next two. To clarify, that is not at all what I said or meant. (laughs) But we're actually on the last super chat and it says. what up? Don't agree on much, but I got to show Hunter love. There you go. Wow. No, people appreciate the conversation. They do. Everyone's been very respectful when I've had people who disagree. They, it's just what the space is. So, okay. I want to go to, Deli, can you do me a favor? Actually, maybe it is this one. Now that I'm looking, it might be this one where you went against Nico. Let's go. Yeah. It, I'm not sure 100% this is it, but if it is, you're, you're free to look at it. It's your words. Oh, yeah. Um, can we go to number five in the chart where it says wokeness in schools? There's a tweet. I just want the audience to be able to see it, and then I'll need this so I can read it. I would it. love to talk about that. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Um, okay, so Hunter writes, first of all, Sneeko had put a tweet out with a photo. You can see in that photo that it's a whole bunch of little kids. I don't know how old they are. Looks like four, five to me, holding up pride flags. And Sneeko wrote, wokeness is the real pandemic. Hunter tweeted above it because he trolls Sneeko. We can acknowledge that happens. It says, nothing more terrifying than kids learning gay people exist. Explain. And then I'll tell you why I don't think that's what's happening here. But go ahead. Um, Yeah, I mean, it just seems like there's this consistent uproar, especially among the more right-leaning conservative side of things. So I'm not saying this is necessarily you. But I've definitely noticed there seems to be this weird uproar of people getting mad any time kids are introduced to the fact of reality that gay people exist. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Uh, a little while back, I mean, the the Matt Walsh, Brandon Tatum, a couple conservative big names were 
just freaking out that Peppa Pig had like a six second scene where she had two moms and nothing about it was inappropriate. She was like, my mom is a doctor and my other mom makes me spaghetti or it was like something so innocent. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it's like people act like this is indoctrinating children or something, which is it indoctrinating kids to take them to a wedding? A heterosexual wedding? Is it indoctrinating kids when they turn on the TV and their little cartoon shows mm -hmm. Superman kissing the girl or whatever? Like, I, I just feel like it's very double standard. So let me comment on that. I can't speak to Peppa Pig because I haven't seen the the, the piece that you they're gotta commenting get with on. It. I gotta on. get with it. I'm not watching. I don't watch a lot of cartoons. Matrix programming. You know how it is. <laughs> anyway, um, so I don't I don't watch that. But I, I would want to see it before I commented on it. But I can speak to this. So when I saw this, the reason I pulled this is because, and can you flash that on the screen again one more time so the audience can see it? Okay. The reason that I pulled this is because I am somebody who believes, listen, you're a grown adult, you're not hurting anybody else, live the life you want to live. I don't care. I really don't. I have friends that have all different ways of life, all different lifestyles, and as long as they're not harming somebody else, fine. One, the reason that this is a problem for me is because we've now gone from a society of acceptance of what I just said, of like just, hey, live your own life, do whatever you want, to a society where we need other people to put a stamp of approval on our behavior. And if they don't, there's something wrong with them. So there's a difference between kids knowing that gay people exist and maybe you have a gay couple who's like you're friends with and they come over to the house and you explain to your kids in your own terms, your own language, like, hey, they're, you know, they have a little bit of a different relationship. However you want to have that conversation, fine. And I do think kids should be informed mm -hmm. of realities of the world because this is the world we live in. We don't want them to be like thinking there's something wrong yeah. or something like that. There's a difference between that and handing out hey, everybody color your pride flag, hold it up, put your stand, you know, in class, wave around, show that you endorse it, show that you support it. Hey, this is a cool, woke classroom. Look, let's take a photo and show everyone that we, I'm not on board with that because I don't need a school to decide that my child should or shouldn't be endorsing a certain way of life. So I think we're now a society that's deeply troubled where we're like, you need to put on a badge. You need to put on a sticker. You need to have the pronouns in your bio. You need to have the Ukrainian flag in your bio. It's all of this need for someone else to endorse what's going on. And I think the reason that people are getting concerned about kids is because you see these like drag shows that are you know going on with kids now i don't have any problems with a drag show for adults you want to go do a drag show like i've been to a drag show in fact i in new york city there's a oh what's that place called lucky changs mm -hmm. people go you know you, it's fun whatever ha 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 bachelorette parties whatever mm -hmm. but when you have little kids now and you have drag story hour and you have these conversations happening among children why do you need that to be happening at that level right so this is a conversation for me that is about children and parental rights and mm -hmm. the rights of you as a parent to decide how to have those conversations with your kid and not sending your, like, what if you were a religious guy? I don't know if you are or not, but let's yeah. say you were extremely, you were Christian and you believed that homosexuality, so homosexuality was a sin that was your own belief, you know, the manifestation of that, meaning sexual acts between, you know, people of the same sex, whatever your belief is. And that child came out of that family and went to a school and now had to color the pride flag and that made, like, wh why does that child have to endorse that behavior? Right. So that's where my concern lies. And I don't know if that's where Sneeko's coming from. My it's, concern is not like, oh, people are supposed to like, you know, hate on gay people. I don't want that, ha I don't want to hate, but I also don't want this forced endorsement or mm -hmm. you're the bad guy. Right. Do you see where I'm coming from with that? I absolutely do. And I think that it's also interesting that it kind of shows our different perspective on that because I think you see that as an endorsement. I see that as just, acceptance. That's how kids learn. They color some pictures. They learn about what it means that some people are gay and that some people are different and that's okay. It does make them weird and they have a little flag. 
Um, I can understand though your your concern with the actual like endorsement of it. I, I can understand the concern there. When it comes to the the drag show, the the drag queen story hours or whatever, mm-hmm. um, th- that's just like it's almost. I'm not dismissing what you said. It's just like kind of in my mind a red herring. It's like it's a problem, yes, and mm-hmm. everybody ha- is right to kind of shit on it. Especially we've seen clips of them get pretty inappropriate and whatnot. Um, but to me, that's kind of like a side thing. Whereas if we're going to talk about this, we should kind of isolate that where Mm -hmm. if you're drawing a picture of a gay flag, it doesn't necessarily mean that next, you know, tomorrow we're going to the field trip to see the the strip drag show. It doesn't. But the way this happens in schools. So I don't know how much you know about me. I was a school teacher before I did this, um, before I got into television, which is 10 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I taught middle school, high school and college. I taught in a super, the, the, the recent school, I taught in three schools. I taught in a college for a year. I taught in a Catholic school for a year. And then I taught for six or I can't remember if it was six or seven years in a private school on the Upper East Side in New York City. Super liberal. I mean, to the point where it was like activism, you know, out mm-hmm. front and center every day. Um, and what I saw was stuff like this get contextualized in a hyper-political way for very small children often. So I think when people see this, you may see it as like, oh, they're just coloring a flag. What's the big deal? But somebody who somebody else might look at this and say, well, who's contextualizing that conversation? What is the adult saying? Are they saying this is something we should all embrace? Are they saying this is a sign that you're not bigoted? Are they saying this is a sign that you're, you know, loving someone else? And are they saying everyone has a right to live the life they want and you should welcome? All of that messaging is inappropriate for children of this age to be receiving from anyone other than their parents or their guardians. So that's where it comes into play, where it may look to one person as like, oh, who cares? Or coloring a flag, who cares? What if it's BLM the next day? What if it's, um, frankly, what if it's a, a, a Republican message, a Democrat message, whatever? I don't. I want all of the politics out. Well, of the I think schools. that's the that's a bit of the problem. Is now, granted, sure, maybe you're not a fan of this, but it does seem that we generally agree that it's okay that kids learn. Like, say hypothetically, there was a, a lesson like today. We're going to talk about different types of families. Some families, you know, you have a mommy mm-hmm. and a daddy. Some families actually have two daddies, two mommies. If it was something like that, I would assume you'd probably be okay so with I, that. So I, I actually don't know why that would need to happen in a school, though. I do think those conversations, oh, by do. the way, should I happen absolutely. at home. But what, like, what, what class is that 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 happens in? Well, I, I don't know what class it would be. But, I mean, gay and people how, are— And how old are we talking about kids? Um, I don't know, like six? I'm fine with six-year-olds learning that. That's pretty small. It's a pretty young. There's, I, there's and it depends what kind of institution you're in. Are you in? Right. Obviously, if you're in a Christian school or something like that, that's not going to be happening. If it, is it a public school you're talking about, a, a government-funded school? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is that it, it's gay people just existing, not necessarily this specific tweet, but gay people existing and being taught that that's not political. Mm-hmm. And people make it political, and it is a political issue in so much as like we should have our right to get married and whatnot, but. When you compare that to drawing flags of Republicans or BLM stuff, those are overtly political movements. So here's how it becomes political, though. It becomes political or it becomes activist if rather than just saying, hey, the reality is there are different types of families that exist out there. Some look like this. Some look like this. Neutral, right? That's a, new, that's a neutral. I just disseminate that information and you have no idea how I feel about the issue. You just know that I'm telling you facts. Is it said like that or is it said from the perspective of someone saying, hey, it's perfectly okay, this is healthy, blah, blah, blah. Now, 
I may have no problem with that message. You may have no problem with that message, but somebody at home who's of religious identity may have a problem with that message because to them it's not healthy and it's not okay. Yeah. So see, now I, you're, that's where you get into some ter- some. Yeah, I don't want any of that me. in Is schools. That but I, I really want kids to go to school and learn like learn to read, learn to write, learn to do their math, learn to do their spelling, especially at that age. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see any. Any, let let that conversation happen. And if a kid raises their hand, this is the the position I took. If a kid raises their hand and asks a question like that, you know what? Why don't you talk to your mom and dad about that? I'm gonna give them a call later today. Maybe they need to have a discussion with you. Pick up the phone, call that mom and dad, and say, "Hey, listen, your kid's asking questions. I don't feel like I'm the appropriate person to contextualize this. That's not what we're about here. But you need to. I think right. you should. That's where my position lies on that. Well, I think that when you talk about kids, maybe or parents, kind of have an issue with. Um, their children learning, like what we said, like different types of families or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is actually the indoctrination that a lot of people don't think about because indoctrination by definition is teaching somebody to, in this case, it would be accept or dislike something uncritically. So yes, if you're sitting children down and you're saying gay people are good, don't question it. If you do, you're a bigot. I'm against that because that would be by definition a form of indoctrination. Mm-hmm. But when you have parents who are religious, who are usually dogmatic in that religion, where it's already not acceptable to question certain religious beliefs. And now they're saying that they want to deprive their child of learning certain realities of the world. Because, well, I don't think that's what I don't think that's what they're saying. But it is. You're saying they would have a religious objection to I'm it. I'm saying they'd have a religious objection to someone contextualizing it as condoning that behavior. And I'm not going to tell I them. I don't think the kids should sit down with their, their but that, that's not bigoted teaches, mom and dad. But, and that's then they, not, but, but it's not bigoted. If they're, if they're religious and they believe homosexuality is a sin, that's not bigoted. Wait, yes, it, that is, yes, it is. That is Religion that, is bigoted? Religious, religious people are bigoted? A religi- no. Religious beliefs that homosexuality is a sin is if they, absolutely bigoted. So how, like all Catholics are bigoted? If you believe that homosexuality is a sin, that belief is bigoted. So people who believe in the Bible, they're all bigoted? That's silly. I mean, listen, no, there are people they, who believe that... They, they, so, whole i mean a lot of the population is religious and hold i, I personally and look at don't who, and who's the least accepting of gay people it's but, the white evangelicals but but u.s muslims again, u.s again, muslims are more accepting of gay people again, in though, this country I, I personally like don't have to agree with that like i i just said like a bunch of gay friends they live their life i don't care i was one of the people that said you want to get married get married like i i just that's not my issue well, then where do you draw the line where what i if, draw the line no no where i draw the line is is that even though I'm personally of that view with my child, I don't believe that it's the responsibility, the job, or the appropriate place for a school to make that call and tell my kid what should be societally acceptable, what they should endorse, what is healthy, what what is bigoted. Like that, no. Because sure. there's too many people that they're... There are religious people who just believe that by virtue of the Bible. Like they're not hateful people. They don't. You don't have to be hateful to be bigoted towards gay people. But how's that bigoted to say that acting on if they believe that homosexuality is a sin by virtue of the Bible and by virtue of their adherence to the Bible? Why is it that you? It's not fair to call them bigoted just because they're adhering to those principles. Let let me back in when the U.S. slave trade was still occurring. Biblical verses were cited to justify slavery but you're not justifying they're not talking about violence i know i know know, know. but what i'm saying is that people have throughout history used the bible to justify certain views that they already hold in the case of the slave trade would it be bigoted if somebody said it's my religious belief that black people are inferior to white people but that's that's not what they're saying they're not saying no 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 well that that's not the same that you can't correlate those two things because these people aren't saying Gay people are bad. They're not saying gay people are inferior. They're, they're, they're not sinful. saying gay people. They're saying homo. The act of the act of homo like sex 
between two people of the same sex to them is a sin. So is would it be based bigoted the then to say that I think that um, I'm not like comfortable calling interracial any, marriage is a sin? Would that maybe be? That's not. That's not. The Bible doesn't say that. So uh, listen, and I can't defend. The, you have the wrong person here if you're looking for me to be a, a defender of biblical text because that's not my position. I was raised Christian. Yeah. I, but that's I, not my position. So I can't have that conversation with you. What I, all I'm saying to you is that these individuals who every household has a different way of different beliefs, right? And some of different the beliefs religions. are, but some of the beliefs are wrong. This is the thing. Is, so you is, want a child who comes from a Christian family, traditional values, traditional, you know, man, woman, you want that child to leave their family and go spend eight hours a day and they should go to school and be told that their family is bigoted and that's cool? No, I never said that. I said between you and me that I think that it's bigoted to believe that being gay is a sin. It would not be acceptable to sit your kid down or sit a student down and be like, your mom and dad are bigoted. So what, but but, what is well, hold cool on, then? Because, but earlier when we were talking about sort of like the, the biological thing and everything, a, a lot of the times it's this is reality. You've said that multiple times. Reality does not care. Gay people are part of a reality. Gay people yeah. existing is part of a reality. Yeah. And bigotry against gay people, any kind of like a complete disgust or disdain or, not disgust, or viewing it as sinful, because by definition, you're saying that that is a crime against God. That's how they, that's how religious people but feel about homosexuality. And that's wrong. Though. That's incorrect. Well, it's not up not to you only to judge it, that, though. Wait. It's not, not up only to you is to it, judge that. They, so how they are they believe, determining that oh, it's wrong? Listen, it's not up to you to define for them how they feel about behavior. It's not up to them to define for you. But facts don't care. Wait, feel. facts don't care about your feelings. But it's not. But it's not a fact. It's they're they're grounded in the Bible in a religion in in, so in religious why is it dogma. Bad then? Yeah. So then, why is it bad? I'm not. I'm not here to decide whether it's bad or why not. Why do you think they? I think it's disagree bad. with that assessment. But I also don't want that child, I don't need that child who comes from that family to go into a school and be told that the way they're being raised, there's something wrong with it, or being shown an alternate reality that- Because they've been indoctrinated. The alternate reality is Listen, the facts of the world. Hunter, let me tell you something. Every single kid that comes out of a family has received some level of, of indoctrination just by virtue, you, you come out of your house and you, you're exposed. Your kids are going to be exposed to your views. They're going to be exposed to your wife's views. There's going to be a set and of I don't values. Teach my, but I don't teach my kids that they can't question the views or that they must accept them. That's fine. That's fine. And you don't know that though how those households exist either. All I'm saying to you is that there are people out there who have children. They have a certain set of morals. Uh, they're religious. They send their kids to school. They know that gay people exist. Maybe they even have gay friends. Maybe they, they're not, they're just saying that they are religious. They don't need their kids to go to an institution of higher learning and receive messaging from a teacher who maybe was supposed to be doing ABCs that day and instead is giving a lesson on on acceptance. Right. That's so, not what school but, but is. You had a problem with the, uh, uh, it appearing as though they're endorsing this, but yet in this case, it would be the Christian parents who are not accepting it. They're not endorsing they don't have it. Obviously, to accept it. Well, I, hold on. I know they're not accepting it. They're not endorsing it. They're actively against it. They're so just not. They just the don't want their child the to be. That's the other side of the coin, though. If you say you don't want kids to be taught to endorse this thing, but you're right, then as kids a parent, shouldn't be taught to be completely against this thing. Their kids can be taught whatever they want by their parents. Okay, obviously. However, in principle, yeah, they would need to establish what is sinful about being gay 
What actually makes it they a sin? They don't have to establish that for you. They can tell you to go read the Bible and they can talk to you the about Bible. their religion. And, and guess that's what? Their you know what? You want to know what the answer it. is? Because God said so. Okay, cool. Then it's dogmatic. It's God indoctrination. So. That's not indoctrination. So, that's not indoctrination. That's, literally that's what religion accepting is. Accepting it uncritically. That is what religion is. It's literally God said faith, so. That's uncritical. That's that ultimate is authority. what religion is. I'm not, listen, and I, I don't have, you're asking me to defend something that's not my position, but that is what religion is. Their faith is by nature a belief in a force bigger than yourself that is unquestioned. That is religion. So you're asking religious people to not be religious. We can't do that. That's not true. You can be religious. You can believe in God. You can also believe that God created everybody in his image, that God loves everybody. You know what? That God wants us to care for the sick and the poor, which is in the book of Matthew. And when you look at the biblical verses that allegedly condemn homosexuality, first of all, the main one they bring up, I want to at least say this for the audience because I was raised Christian. The main ones they bring up are the Levitical verses where it says, a man who lies with another man is an abomination. Mm -hmm. That is from a specific part of the Bible that is a ritual purity code that was given from God to the Israelites specifically okay, but to separate well hold on to separate them from the nations around but you, them. You don't you don't have and an so, argument from me on this. I'm not you, I'm not I'm giving the general I'm giving a, a I'm giving but an you, explanation you, you, you as to why I believe this You should have that debate thing. with somebody who knows. Like, hey, you want us to have that conversation? My recommendation is talk to Ali Betstaki. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that this is what you're saying. I'm just trying to substantiate but my But that doesn't own change the reality of what school should be and what school is. And school is not a place where one person's version of morality or one person's version of anything, like, it, that's not where that should be happening. How are they determining morality? Well, this is their God version said of, so? this is their version, no, no. Those families are not bringing their values into the school system and exposing other kids to it. They are exposing their own child to it, which are perfectly within their right to do. This school is imposing a value system on other children, on many children, one of whom comes from, say, a family like that. That is not within the right of that school to do. There's a distinction there. So, so what you if can somebody argue, did, what, what would you say genuinely? Because there have been religious arguments in the past to try and argue against, say, interracial marriage. What would be the argument there? Would that not be acceptable or would that still stand because you, it's on the religious? I just don't understand. This is, that's a silly, first of all, that's completely silly. No, it's not. But it is. Be, but hold on, wait, wait, wait. That's no, not what the conversation is, is about. The conversation is about is school, we're talking about, th this is a picture of four and five-year-olds. Yeah. Should school for four and five-year-olds involve this, involve holding up, coloring pride flags, holding them up, posing for the camera? That's what this conversation is about. I can understand the concern with that. That's where, However, that's where if we're talking more principally as in should four-year-olds and up learn generally that other families exist and some of those families are gay, yes. Cool. And I think that if Let a parent- Let them learn that from their parents. No. Because the parents, like you just said, could be some religious person who has no justification so for school, their beliefs. But that's not what school they, is. School is intended to not you only educate you on certain academic nope. uh, factors, but it also does give you an introduction to general social roles So should as well. school also social be talking rules. about pedophilia? Should school also be talking about... I mean, some things are just like not... This is where, why it's so important to have the morality question that I feel like you don't want to have. Pedophilia, what does it do? Harm. What happens with gay people getting married? That's a, no okay. harm and wait. Pedophilia causes harm, but you you have to understand that <laughs> there are people who believe if you are a traditional values person that are you're religious, you're following the Bible. They have you unjustified believe, belief. You believe yeah. whatever it may be. You can call it unjustified all you want, but they believe it's justified based on their faith. They believe that any structure outside of that leads to the breakdown of the family, 
and they believe it is hazardous. They're not saying gay people are bad people. They, can they are that, saying but that, that doesn't mean it's right or anything. It doesn't, and but so, it also doesn't mean that school becomes a location that can then try to change their kid's mind about that issue. That's not for school to do. Trying to change their mind would again imply that you're being sat down and told your family's being a bigot. It's activism. No, I'm not in favor of activism. The example that I gave you, the hypothetical that we're talking about is an, but that's a, not a lesson about. about. Yes, it's a lesson okay, about. So, and I'll tell do you different families exist? We, that's the question. Let me hear how that teacher talks about that lesson. Let me hear how that teacher intros that lesson. Let me hear what that lesson plan looks like. What does the homework look like related? Let, okay. Play that here, out for here, me, okay. and then yeah. not not now. I'm saying we can't because we have to do one more topic before we let you go. It's 3:15. We've been talking for two hours and well, 15 wait, minutes. Because I, I don't want to back off this one just yet. Because this is there, there's like a fundamental disagreement. Delhi's like free Delhi, free <laughs> Delhi. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there, there's like a fundamental disagreement here. Is that just if somebody has religious beliefs or their religion says that they're against something, doesn't always justify them being able to step in and prevent their child from learning that. What if somebody believes that's, belie- that's not the argument Wait, here though? What if somebody be- believes that according to the Bible the world is flat? Should their kids not be allowed to learn that because they have a religious problem? That's, but that's 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 a fact. That's a fact. It's a fact that gay people fact. exist, and it's a fact yes, that it's genetically it's a fact that gay people exist. And what I just said to you is that tell me. Show me that teacher. Show me that she's not, you know, some steward of the system. And but this some, is a, this is the, show me what it looks like. Because what I did for you is I didn't create a hypothetical. I showed you a photo. Mm-hmm. This is a problem. I'm okay with that. So we need to speaking. see what that is. And you know what? Maybe I'll say to you, that's not a problem. But I don't know what that looks like. And all, what I'm telling you is the reason that Sneeko's talking about this, my guess, Sneeko can speak for himself. Maybe see here. I don't know. The reason that he probably has a problem with that is because this is happening in schools across the country right now, and it's, it is activism in the classroom. It's not what you're saying. It's not gay people exist. This is a reality. This is just factual reality of the world we live in. Like it or not, this is what's ha- That is not what's happening. I've it been in multiple classrooms. It seems as though what they're saying is, hey, let's color no, in this picture. That gay is people not exist. what's happening. And, well, hold on, wait. And That's silly. there is not. Now you go back on what you said. Wait, wait, wait. And there's not anything wrong necessarily with people no. being gay. You're going back on diff- what you said because you what originally said on? this is a problem. Now you're saying it's not a problem. Here's the bottom line. Wait, if it was BLM ne- flags, I, by the way, if it was- I never said that was a problem. Iraq I said I could understand the issue with teaching kids to endorse this, but sh- but having kids draw a picture of that a That is an endorsement. And then He's- teaching them, hold on, wait, and then teaching them that- um, you know, gay people exist, gay people are real, and there's nothing this wrong with that. It's okay to be different. This is an endorsement. Look at the photo. Pay attention to what the children's faces look like. They're holding it up. Everyone's taking a picture. Yay, pride. Everyone's going to put them around the classroom. It's an endorsement. And this this example is an endorsement. So we can take issue. We this can is say, why I keep trying to ask you then for a, for, if, no, when I I'm give not, you a I'm hypothetical not, that you don't, don't want, want to get into. I don't because that hypothetical doesn't exist and I'm dealing in this reality. This happened. This is a tweet you responded to. That's what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. And people seem very, very fearful of kids learning it's about gay people. It's just not fear. No, no one has. No one has said that. No one has said he that. He said it's fearful. the real pandemic. He said, "Well, there is. Well, there was no <laughs> pandemic to start, but he wokeness is the real pandemic. This is wokeness. Okay, this if is, wokeness then is teaching kids to be accepting of gay people, no, then I'm all for it. No, that's not what they're teaching kids." They're not teaching kids to be accepting of gay people. Yes. They're teaching kids, here, color this. Homosexuality. This great. is what it means to Put be gay. On. This is the flag for it. It's you okay to be different. You just said to me that you understood why this was a problem, no, and now you're walking back. you're misinterpreting back. what I said. I said that I understand how you might have an issue if you perceive that as an endorsement. It is an endorsement. So is it an endorsement or acceptance? If they put these all over the classroom, the kids have colored these and they're being told, hey, this is, you know, you should 
you should, you know, th- this is a positive thing and it's okay gay marriage gay. is good and gay. Th- I don't know what was said in this classroom, but I know as somebody, by the way, who doesn't have an issue whatsoever with people who are gay, who choose to live their lives the way they want, multiple people around me who live like that. Cool. It's all fine. Live and let live in that capacity. Personally, I don't have that issue. I still would not want to see that in my kid classroom because I would know there's a slippery slope between this and the next cause. And I don't want my kid in a cause classroom. Right. Well, that's why the slippery slope is a fallacy by definition. It's not. I was in these classrooms and it's happening all the time. It happens with BLM. It happened with... But you um, can be against that while also being okay with kids learning to be accepting of gay people. I don't want my child... Yes, my child can know that Black Lives Matter exists. My child does not need to draw the Black Lives Matter flag and stand and do this. Black Lives Matter is not... Wait, wait. Black Lives Matter is not an intrinsic quality of somebody. Gay people are genetically born, genetically predisposed to being gay. It's a silly conversation Gay people are born genetically predisposed to being gay. Fine. And and that's fine. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I'm not going to talk to gay people. There's something wrong with them. You just said that you don't want them learning the general stuff. I said, I don't want them programmed about this, about anything else. That is not the role of a school. That is not the role of an academic institution in any word, way, shape, or form. They pledge allegiance to the flag like every day. That's a huge political statement. They don't. Well, that, I think honestly, that's probably they good don't. In, but in, for a long time, that was what was expected. Classes, but they don't. You understand? So, are you okay with that, though? You're gonna. You want to talk about the pledge of allegiance to the flag of the Wait, United States pledge of America? Of allegiance, you're literally to the Republic saying, of I pledge one my nation under God. You're saying I pledge my. You can't have the pledge. First of all, you can't have the pledge of allegiance in most schools because they won't allow it because they won't have these kids say one nation under God. Okay. That's a reality. That doesn't happen. So we can't even correlate that. Okay, listen. I need to do one more. Oh, man. I have to. I'm sorry. I don't want to move on yet. I know, but I have to. We could be here all day. It's like the gender construct Can thing. I just say one more <laughs> Wait, thing? Wait, one second. Do we, have, do we have Super Chats? Uh, yeah, we have one, actually. Okay, let's do that one because then we're going to close out Super Chats. By the way, folks, if you like this conversation, you got to hit the subscribe button. You got to hit the like button. You got to show that love. Yeah, do it right now. You know when I put the graphic on, I'm not very patient about that. Boom. Okay, we're done. Let's do that one. And then that's going to be it for chats. We're going to finish up um, because we have to let you out of here or they're going to kill me. Okay. (laughs) Uh, This one says it's from Omega. It says, hey, Hunter, Matthew 5, 17, 20. It's determined that until heaven and earth are destroyed, not one iota of Jewish law will be abolished. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I I don't know. I, I don't know. I think he's saying because the Levitical laws say I, I don't have enough of a, of a background on Leviticus, to be honest, to respond, but it's all you. <laughs> well, I'll just say what I'm fine moving on, but I, I just, I know we disagree on this, but at the end of the day, I, again, I understand your concern if they're being taught to specifically endorse something, which is what the Pledge of Allegiance did for a long time. The kids, are, kids are daily taught to endorse stuff. Daily. It happens every day. And every it's, day. It's, and it's, Until and it's, recently, kids had to do the Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance is not endorsing, not saying. I mean, I worked in a school where. pledging allegiance. You if I got to, up there and said, I pledge allegiance to the gay, then everybody would be flipping <laughs> the fuck out. I pledge allegiance you can't, to the You flag. can't see the distinction between a country that you live in that. You're an American citizen. You're teaching kids to just. You kind can't of see the difference between like, that. Be you can't. Patriotic. No, no, wait. You can't see the difference between you being an American citizen. You're a citizen of this country. You're pledging allegiance to the flag of this is my country. I'm proud of my country. Yes, my country can do better on some things, but I love my country and pledging allegiance to a flag that represents a certain type of lifestyle that you may or may not as a person endorse. Right. So, then it's not a lifestyle. That's the other. Like, but it. But it. But it it's is. It's not. Is there a straight lifestyle? 
Is it a lifestyle yes. to be straight? Yes, to have sex with somebody of the opposite that's sex. That's not a lifestyle. That's a component no, of that's your sexuality, which is okay, an intrinsic cool. component. A lifestyle okay, would be I live at the beach. But you don't have to endorse beach. somebody else's sexual decisions the same way that I don't have to sit here and get behind. Somebody gets up tomorrow and says, oh, I identify as a cat. And I'm like, awesome. You can be you, a cat all you want, but I don't have to, I don't have to say. You keep the same thing we've already said. Because I'm saying, because You don't need to endorse it. Matter. But you're, yeah, and a fact is gay people exist. Great. They're genetically predisposed. Great. And there's no biblical cool. basis no for disliking gay people. I have no problem that gay people exist. You're talking to the wrong person. I'm just saying activism in schools is a problem. End of story. That's right. the end of the conversation. Okay, okay, do you want to do as a last topic, um, we're not going to be able to spend that much time on it, truthfully, just because of what's going on outside. It's going to get loud. But do you want to talk about, do you have an opinion about Andrew Tate? Do you hate him? Do you you want to talk about him? I or feel do like you, we kind of already... Or do you want to talk thing. about, we have um, shame culture, the idea of fat shaming and that. And I also have um, the stuff that Ron DeSantis did with the biomedical security state. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Why don't we talk about the shame thing? Okay. So you had said something here. The biomedical security state, by the way, is just about you know, the mandates and him providing protections for people against mandates. That's gotcha. what he's basically, but I feel like people have heard me talk about that. You know where I'm going to stand on that audience. Yeah, I'm <laughs> surprised. Mandates. I'm actually kind of surprised we didn't get to the mandates. We can. I mean, they're unconstitutional, whatever, but we, we, we can get to the mandates. Um, oh man, I already disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, they're not constitutional. They're not sounded, founded in it. You want to talk about that? Where are they? Uh, how do you here, feel? Here, here, here. No, no, no. Let's just, well, can I just, because you wrote, put a tweet out, you asked about okay. it. You had said shame culture only further isolates people with conditions that require treatment, not shame, which I thought was an interesting tweet you had put out. I don't have the tweet because I forgot to pull it, but that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think is interesting about this conversation about fat shaming and about, um, People can say slut shaming happens. Um, I'm not for purposely hurting people. Like, I'm not like, oh, you're this, you're that, you know, like, you know, I want to raise a kind child. And I think that ultimately we should be kind to each other. But I think what has happened in society is a refusal and an inability to just acknowledge reality and fact. And now it's to a point where obesity is glorified. You've got fat is healthy all over the cover of magazines. That's a problem. So where did we lose our way so much that you can't just be honest with you? Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that obesity is unhealthy. And by, if I were to sugarcoat it, by the way, I'd be doing a gross disservice to obese people because right. now I'm telling you that your behavior is good. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Blah, 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 everything. In the meantime, you're more prone to all sorts of diseases, right. comorbidities Heart and whatnot. Or whatnot yeah. So where do you stand on that? Because it's interesting to me. You said that. Are you just, do you sort of agree with what I'm saying about the fine line there between you don't have to be an a-hole, but at the same time, people yeah. need to understand reality. Right. So I, I, I guess to, I don't know if I agree or disagree fully, but I do agree with you in the sense that it's unhealthy to be overweight. And if anybody, there are people, yes, online who are arguing that it's actually completely fine. And some people are even saying that fat is a slur. I don't know if you've seen that. People are oh, claiming, I've seen it all. Yeah, they're claiming it's a slur now I've to call somebody all. fat. Like, So yes, the reality is it's unhealthy to be fat. That is a bad thing. It should not be encouraged. I think the problem is a lot of people are under the impression that because being fat is objectively unhealthy and bad, that not, I guess you said don't be an a-hole, but like a lot of people feel that they're justified in kind of, I I don't want to say like shitting on fat people. I'm not really sure how to word it, but like people feel okay shaming fat people for being fat. People feel because they're like, well, they're fat and that's bad and unhealthy. And I want to, if anything, I'm doing them a service. They need to know that it's unhealthy. The problem is, and I used to have this exact same position, by the way, I was of that opinion too. And I would always say that if you love your body, you should work to improve yourself. And I still stand by that. Um, the, the thing with body positivity, it isn't, or it shouldn't be about just accepting yourself the way that you are and then never striving to be better. What is, what's important is a lot of people who are overweight 
Sure, there are some who literally just go to Dunkin' Donuts too much, whatever. But yeah. like, there are also people who have other conditions that have contributed to that obesity. And even if it hasn't, people who are obese are more likely to suffer from depression, insecurity, et cetera, which is kind of understandable. And when you shame fat people, that actually lowers their motivation to improve themselves. Because if somebody is, especially if they're really obese, odds are they are binge eating as a coping mechanism. And so it's not body positivity in as in just accept yourself the way you are, never do mm-hmm. anything differently. Yep. It's body positivity in, hey, this is your body. Be positive by the yep. fact that this is your body. And it's that that actually motivates the change, not the shame. So the number of people that where it's outside of their control those exist. You're talking, you're talking about thyroid conditions. You're talking about stuff like that. It's actually quite small. Um, well, it even, exists, yeah, not, but not. those things do exist. You know, there are people with health issues, right? That they mm-hmm. have trouble losing weight, but it's a largely societal issue now with, uh, I mean, American, we're deeply spoiled. I mean, the fast food, we're yeah. just a grossly unhealthy society at large. It's, it's sad. And the reason that this really hits me is when I look at children that are obese and I feel like now because it's, you know, it's considered harsh, you know, to say your child is obese, you know, the language, everybody's afraid of the language, this, that, and the other thing. Everyone's afraid to just say what is. And really what we need to do is just acknowledge that these things are unhealthy. And it's not about, to me, it's not shaming. Now, granted, there are people that'll just be like, you're fat and ugly. You know, people are, they're just mean people that exist, right? They exist to just spew. Maybe they're unhappy in their own lives. They're trying to hurt somebody else. I don't know what their motivation is. But there's other people that will just say, like I do, pull up a cup. And I take health very seriously. Like this is a priority for me. And not only you know, physical activity, but what I eat, it's important to me because I want to be here for my child. And that's why I do that, what I do, but I'll put up a magazine cover and be like, it'll say fat is healthy. It's my job to say, no, this isn't healthy. Actually, this is deeply unhealthy. And this messaging that's particularly going to women, although you do see the dad bod go into the dads now, Oh, the dad bod is dad bod is not sexy. Having fat (sighs) around your middle is not sexy. You're increasing your chances of disease. You don't have a a fat belly, do you? Maybe I'm not seeing it. I don't know. I was trying to grow out. Maybe next time we need to do the bikini show or something so I can see what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. But Mm -hmm. I'm tired of the like neutered messaging to such Mm -hmm. a point where we can't as a society just face what's going on now. Right. And I, I think that just to add on that, like you're right, there is this hyper fragile sort of approach now that people have where it's like, yeah fat is a slur or don't be mean ever or if you say something that the other person perceives as being mean now you're a bad person i agree with that but i think that the conversation needs to expand and become a little more nuanced because yes some people are too fragile and shit on that all day every day because people need Mm -hmm. to stop being so fucking fragile and then on the flip side the again the response to the fragility isn't and i'm not saying you're an asshole to them because you're obviously not but like generally speaking it's not shame culture shame people for being fat it's rather Here's the facts. Being fat is unhealthy. And so this is your body. You should take pride in the fact that you only got one body. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got one life. You need to do what is best for you so that like kind of like what you said. Yeah. So that you're here as long as possible. And it's that type of messaging that motivates people to exercise and to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And just quickly, I'll say I'm aware that obviously the majority of people that are overweight are not overweight due to some thyroid problem or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But even if, say, they are binge eating or maybe it's a mental illness or something, um, and then they become overweight, that raises their likelihood of um, struggling with depression and whatnot. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle mm-hmm. where you shame them and then that actually kind of pushes them back into Yeah, you're saying binge. it has a negative, a negative effect and then it like causes the behavior to spur even more out of control. Right. But and the last thing I want to say is, is just a fun fact. Obviously, there are far more people in America that are overweight, but it is been proven that being underweight is 
worse for your health than being overweight? Well, it depends. It depends on underweight. We, we talk about that too, eating disorders and the issue that happens. I, I actually told a story when I was much younger. I don't remember how young I was. What was I, like 16? Um, crazy thing I did for a few months, and I literally shrunk my organs. It was so, un- it was deeply horrible. Wow. Um, it was a period of like, I was looking to control my life. It was crazy. It was a high school. I shared that with the audience. If you'd missed that, by the way, you should go back to the beginning and see. So I, I tackle... I remember when Kate Moss was like front and center, um, Calvin Klein ads, you can go back and look. There was a lot of talk. She was like looking so frail and yeah. that's a problem too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's not the predominant problem in America right, right now. The, you know, the that's the problem. Right the main thing is like you, you can't upset somebody's feelings so we can't talk about reality and can't talk about the truth. Deli, do you know if they're, um, they need us to wrap right now? Have they been bothering you? No? Sometimes they shout at me. I want to do one more thing with you. I was going to I was gonna make a suggestion that we could do this at a future date on Rumble. Okay. Um, Oh yeah, maybe that's because I, I think know that's you're probably I think stuff. that's probably a better place. Would you be open to? I would love to have a conversation with you about the mandates, but I need to have that in a different. Would I be able to call? Would in? you be able to call in? And I, I, the reason I don't do call in a lot, or not call in, we do it remotely. We can just hook it in. Is with I like to do a first meeting in person, and I'd mm-hmm. like to know there's not going to be any funny stuff that goes on. Oh, you're going to click off if I say something more weird. You know, I don't. I'm yeah. not into that. No, I hate that too. So if we can do that, I think that would be a better space for um, that conversation. Would it be for okay many reasons? If when we did that, I I would probably be live on my own channel. That's if that's okay. Yeah, we can negotiate all that and figure out. I mean, I don't. I'm sure that wouldn't wouldn't be an issue at all. But okay. um. Yeah, no, I, I, would I think that's a better that. house for that conversation yeah. for many reasons. I don't know. The reason is I don't know what you're going to say. I certainly know what I'm going to say. So I just want to ask you a quick question. Um, this is not planned. I wasn't even going to talk to you about this. But you had said in one of your videos, I remember, I talk a lot about the matrix. I talk a lot about the system. Mm-hmm. Um, you had said something like, oh, this is there's not a cabal of people that are trying to destroy you. And I'm just curious if you really believe that. If you You seem to me, we differ as far as our stand on issues. You don't come off to me as someone who's dumb. I will say that. You, it seems to me that you would be somebody who would be cognizant of a potential world economic forum problem, of a problem with um, crony capitalism and multinational corporations holding hands with big pharma and potentially instituting policy that affects people against their will. Is that, is that something, am I wrong? Is that something that, I mean, because when you, when we talk about the matrix, when I talk about the matrix, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Klaus Schwab. I'm talking about people putting out videos saying you will have nothing and you will be happy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know, a biomedical security state where people who have individual health conditions and individual relations with their doctors can no longer make decisions about what they put into their own bodies. And now you have authoritarians wanting to make those decisions for you, even when it doesn't affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. That is what the matrix means to me. Okay. So yeah, I does think that... that- sound legitimate like like i mean do, do you see what i'm saying when i talk yeah, about that stuff i do and i think that there's uh, i think that maybe there's a little misunderstanding because obviously corruption is a thing um i'm not super caught up on it, it, every aspect of it but yes of course there are problems with corruption uh you know we hear a lot about how big uh b- big companies tend to have more sway with certain governmental policy even of course corruption is a thing and that when i hear the matrix Maybe this is why it's there's no real like solid definition for it. But when I hear the matrix, usually what that does make me think of is when I say a cabal, I mean like the smoky room of like a couple evil individuals mm. that are actually like pulling the strings on everything. To be honest with you, I wish it was that because that would be a lot easier to tackle. But what's actually happening and the more research I do on this, it's it's kind of astounding to me is that there are so many people actually 
that are working together to just remove people's individual freedom. We, we've talked a lot about people who have different you know, ways they want to raise their kids today. And people, we obviously see the world very differently. My main goal is to protect in this country, I can't do anything about every other country, but to protect people's individual rights to live a life they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. My enemy is, is the, let's call it a cabal, mm-hmm. of people who want to prevent people from doing that. Right. And that is when, when we talk about, when I talk about the matrix, um, and I talk about concerns from everything from the climate agenda, not like, oh, you know, climate change doesn't exist, but you know, that's not my talking point, but my talking point is what is being utilized by folks at the top mm-hmm. that don't care about you, that don't care about your wellness, you know, the eat bugs campaign, get all the meat out of right, them, eat, right. eat beyond meat, eat this fake meat, Bill Gates, you know, with his big beer belly and he's got bigger boobs than I do talking about eating beyond meat, <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's deeply threatening. And mostly because I do care about people's health and well-being. And if you don't have freedom and autonomy over your own health, you have nothing. Right. So, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I understand your concern for sure. And I do think, again, uh, there's obviously a potential risk of the, the, I guess it's elites, happening. right? It's not a like, risk. It's happening. It's happening well, sure, today. and it's and well, all I'm getting at is that yes, of course, like the elites might have too much control or too much sway here, or like what I just said, big companies being able to kind of uh, influence governmental policies and whatnot. Um, when, when if you want to talk about corruption, like yeah, of course that's a thing and that should be dealt with, and and we should try and remove that crony but it's not, capitalism. It's not called Cor- corruption, though. It, it's that's the problem. Like. There was a time when you could spot corruption. Well, you said crony capitalism, right? Yeah, right. W- true, but so right now, like, what you we, have you is you should have like s- more restrictions on capitalism. What I'm what I'm talking about is is like what's happening now is like you have handholding of you know I remember a time when liberals I say this all the time because I grew up in New York City around a bunch of liberals and I remember a time when liberals were rebellious and liberals were had problems with big pharma institutions and had problems with all of these things that they've now suddenly embraced. And I'm just sounding the alarm on, hey, I don't, whatever you want to do with your body. And this was my message, by the way, throughout the whole talk of the vaccine. But I said, do what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I don't want you telling me what to do. But understand that these people in positions of authority, you have big pharma holding hands with big government who want to tell you what to do. Right. I don't know anything about your medical health history. I don't know anything about your health. I don't know anything about your risk factors. It's not my job and it's not their job. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my goal when I talk about the matrix. I'm trying to dismantle a very powerful system of people at the top who think they have a right to determine what your life looks like. Not even just my life, your life, your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish there were more folks on the left side of the spectrum that seem to care about that because I'm not Honestly, it. if more people had like a, a nuanced approach to the, the matrix thing, I think that it would be- I don't know that I'm so nuanced for, to be honest. Uh, well, compared to <laughs> Maybe the conversations pre- You know I've what? Had, my presentation might be- It sounds you know, like what you're talking about is just corruption as a whole. Well, yeah. And a it's, form of crony capitalism, places where people are taking advantage of loopholes and influencing uh, certain governmental policies or how people behave in ways that they shouldn't have that kind of power. I'm with you there. A lot of the times I take issue with the Matrix talk because of what people say about it. Usually it is talked about as if it's this cabal. And then you usually have to ask, well, who's making up that cabal? Yeah. And I think you know well, where take that a look goes. At, take a look at Klaus Schwab. I mean, to be honest with you, and we'll close after this, um, Klaus Schwab, truthfully, is reads like, a, like you couldn't create a better villain in a, like a horror movie. Like, just stick him in. In fact, you don't even have to adjust what he says. Just stick, roll him on in there. Well, I want to thank you. I know we went long. I hope that's okay. We went 38 minutes over, but I had a plan for two hours. But I, I actually really enjoyed the conversation. I know we didn't agree on a lot of stuff, but thank you for coming here. Thank sure. you for being willing to sit down at the table and have these conversations. Um, and we'll definitely have an extent. Maybe we can do something remotely next time. I know it's a lot to come on out here, but I do appreciate it. I think the audience really liked it. And if nothing else, audience, remember, like, 
this is what this show's about. You know, it's mm-hmm. about, yes, I come and rant and do everything, I, you know, you know how it is. But it's also about bringing people who see the world differently so that it gets you thinking and it keeps me thinking. And hopefully Hunter thinking as well. Hopefully you- got me thinking. There <laughs> you go, thank you again. All right, audience, I'm gonna be here. Oh, check this out, everyone, two things. Friday, there's a special panel coming. Oh yeah, it's hot. I'm going out to the live set and I've got between two and three guests. I'm trying to confirm the third. We'll see how it goes. But it's going to be a panel and it's going to be hot. It's going to be some of your favorite guys in the space. Secondly, Minect. Some of you have been asking me about Minect. Minect is a space where, remember, if you have a question for me that you don't want to put in the chat, you want to do a FaceTime with me. You want to call me on my phone. The message goes right to my phone and you want to do a FaceTime where you've got a question about your dating relationship life your job, whatever, any topic that we cover here, any topic we don't cover here, you want to get my take on it, you're a parent, you want to figure your put your kid in a school, you're worried about, I don't care what it is, go on there, figure out what you want to do, you can send me a text message, we can do a FaceTime, whatever it is, so Minect, M-I-N-N-E-C-T dot com, and I will be back here on Friday with some fun, bye, Hunter, thank you. Thanks again. Bye.